In the wake of the Georgia Guidestones falling this week, I can't help but shake the feeling that this isn't what it presents itself to be. That right now is a time where we are all in this cloud of dust after the explosion, and we are searching for answers. When in a situation like that, people will often accept the most logical or reasonable answer at the time because they're desperate. Does that sound like the best way to make any conclusions? We want nothing more here at the New Prisoners than to topple the global corporatist oligarchy. But vigilante acts using explosives should not be the methods of getting there. Why? Because to the unknowing public, a person who uses explosives to prove a political point and to send messages to their opposition is a terrorist. That idea has been ingrained in the American culture and psyche for well over two decades now, at least, and good luck convincing people otherwise. Particularly, what could be put on display when whomever took out the guidestones that day gets caught. From what I've been able to do lately, and whom I've been able to talk to, we should always take pause whenever an event like this occurs. We can no longer accept happenings as they are described at us at face value. Hell, we never should have in the first place. If 9-11, COVID, January 6 uh, didn't teach us that lesson, maybe we should all take a refresher course in the fundamentals of critical thinking. Who really benefits from this? What harm could come to all of us as a result of this? Will the actions taken against all of us in the conspiracy community be intensified now? Who's to say that the stones were taken out by anyone on our quote-unquote side? What or who else could it have been? If this is a symbol of the fall of globalism, what replaces it? We should have all learned about power vacuums by now, and unfortunately we are not in a place anywhere within liberty movement to fill that vacuum, nor stop anyone from doing so. We do not yet possess the power and influence to do so. We are not organized enough. We haven't even recaptured and or replaced most of the institutions necessary to do so. So who does? There seems to be a pattern of events like this throughout history, leading to greater conflicts such as war. Who really came out of those conflicts the victor? Has it ever been us? The banks, those who control the means of production, and governments all did. That's why we're in this position now. I would love for this to be the first domino of many falling. I would love to see the liberal world order, the new world order, or what I call the global corporatist oligarchy reduced to a pile of rubble. But at this point, what sort of force or entity is capable of doing that?
other than one even stronger than it? I am not saying that our team isn't strong, capable, or willing to be the dominant culture worldwide. What I'm saying is that any other entity capable of such strength could very well be out there and ready to replace what we know of as our enemy, and even us. Anything powerful enough to destroy the previous group that ran the world is certainly powerful enough to wipe us all off the map, the same as these stupid slabs of granite. They might even use the same kind of large equipment to dispose of us too. Other regimes have done so in the past. I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade. I just want to give everyone the reminder of what we all should know and practice going forward. The stories that you hear when you first hear them are coming from a really narrow source. From that source, the information is diluted and sent about. We imbibe it, share it, believe it, and react to it. If I'm capable of realizing that, this allows us to be influenced, manipulated, and ultimately confined and controlled. Then I'm of the strong belief that what we know as our opposition, if not something else, is far more capable of understanding it than I am. From Gavrilo Princip till now, history has changed because of the actions we all have the ability to take. That's why liberty is a practice. Because when you serve a group or anything outside of yourself, you can be manipulated, distracted, or lose the connections with your own beliefs and values. It's on all of us to self-regulate, to not be violent, to not bring more persecution on us all and our families engaging in the military tactics of our enemy. Our strength is in subversion and waking people up and exposing their eyes to the light of truth, not alone wolf explosive attacks on these symbols of the dominant culture. If Larry Fink thinks that globalization has ended, then what now replaces it? My guess is that the replacement is already here. It came in a big box with a bow on it to all of our governments thanks to COVID. Instead of a liberal world order, think of the term in the classical liberal sense, we are now to be ruled by something much more authoritarian than allowing crony capitalists to do so. The orders now come from the top and will be implemented here by our own governments without our consent or involvement, or at least people that think like us, as long as those like us are allowed to exist. The New World Order is a corporatist one. The most insidious thing as the devil himself 
is allowing people to think that it doesn't exist. At least until they shut down your bank account, throw you out of public life, and make you a criminal for being a natural man or woman, free from their genetic alterations. Think that could never happen? Think that sounds crazy? I hope it is. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 499 or $9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six. I'm here with John Henry, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast. And on this week's show, we're going to talk about, well, how everybody must get stoned. Uh, We're also going to talk about the hunger strike that could be going on around the world pretty soon here. Uh, we've been talking about uh, food-related issues for the past couple months, but yeah, now things are starting to really get crazy. Um, we're going to talk about repeat line. Wait, 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 wait. What's that? Is this a teleprompter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, repeat line. Um, and then uh, lastly, we're going to be talking about uh, Ninja COVID. This is the new blockbuster of the uh, summer being introduced now. Uh, Ninja COVID, Secret of the Vax. But uh, before we get to any of that stuff... Uh, John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people? Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, I've been doing some traveling with work, so I appreciate Lisa jumping in and filling in on the show. And uh, I'm currently coming from you from a uh, secret secure location in the middle of the Pacific. Uh, A couple exciting things to talk about today. Broken rocks, not just the one that Hunter Biden is weighing out on the most recent video, 4chan Definitely rivals Project Veritas's investigative ability. That's extraordinary. 4chan has found how to get into 
um, the Hunter Biden's, um, you know, data that was in the, the, the dreaded laptop from hell. Um, talk a little bit about Pedo Peter, uh, who is <laughs> what he had his father, President Joe Biden. Uh, that is his name and his contacts, Pedo Peter, uh, which is reassuring. Um, speaking of Pedo Peter, uh, he's been mumbling nonsense, nothing. As usual, Kamala can't string together a coherent thought. It's absolutely embarrassing. Sri Lanka has been exciting this week. So now if you want to see what a real insurrection is, when the government pushes you far enough, take a look at a couple of videos from Sri Lanka, where not only did they overthrow the government to the point that they fled the damn country, but they also burned the prime minister's fucking house down. Now that, folks, is an insurrection. That, folks, is not even remotely <laughs> close uh, in comparison to what happened January 6th. And um, last but not least, Shinzo Abe, a man for the people, somebody President Trump was very close with. Uh, the, the former leader of Japan was assassinated. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that, what that motivation was and why. And also the tweet of I have information on Hillary Clinton uh, that was put out there before he was assassinated. Turns out that's not real. Yeah, although... Uh, if it was, I would not be surprised that he was assassinated. So we got a lot of great stuff for the show. I uh, can't wait to talk about Ninja Pox or Ninja Vid or what, what do we call that? <laughs> we'll come up with something. I mean, are we finally like the fact that they and we'll get into this in the show, but I'm just I'm really interested because we're not supposed to blame China for this. But if it's the Ninja COVID, are they admitting where it came <laughs> from? And much, much more here on the End of the World podcast. Great to be back. Back to you, awesome. number six. Uh, this is from the Times West Virginian. Um, this is uh, also from Heather Green. Uh, it says Religion News Service here uh, from July 9th. This is Georgia Guidestones, long treasured and feared, demolished after attack. Now, <clears throat> this article isn't great. I'm just going to throw it out there before we get started. Uh, but it does some pretty great things in that it points out some of the holes in the arguments that are used against us, quote-unquote, conspiracy theorists. Um, in regards to these uh, Georgia Guidestones here, that you see the shattered one there as we're talking about it. But uh, now it says here from Atlanta, after 42 years, the mysterious Georgia Guidestones, often called America's Stonehenge, are no longer casting a shadow in rural Elbert County, Georgia. Early July 5th, one of the six slabs of granite making up a primitive-looking monument was destroyed by what the Georgia Bureau of Investigation believes was an explosive. The remaining stones were removed Wednesday after officials determined they were unstable. Now, the guidestone stood for more than 40 years among fields seven miles outside of the small town of Elberton, a 40-minute drive from Athens, Georgia. For decades, they've been a source of inspiration, fear, and curiosity. Hand-carved words across the nearly 20-foot-tall slabs brought discomfort and debate. In 1979, John Fendley, then president of the Elberton Granite Finishing Company, was asked to create the monument by someone known by the pseudonym Robert Christian, later R.C. Christian, who claimed to represent a group of concerned Americans. Okay, uh... Today, some believe the Christian was Dr. Herbert H. Kirsten of Fort Dodge, Iowa, who died in 2005. However, this is still mostly speculation. Well, that's a good thing that this article didn't look into any of that. 
<laughs> At first, Fenley thought Christian was crazy, and the request was a hoax, but neither proved to be the case. With the help of local banker, a fucking course it would be a, a banker, right? Uh, Wyatt C. Martin, Christian secured funds for his project, and the construction began. The stone structure was revealed to the public on the spring equinox in 1980. Oh, geez. I wonder what that could have meant in the occult. Well, it's a good thing we uh, we asked our friend uh, Silas to chime in on that on Twitter the other day. So definitely go check that thread out. Uh, but to, it says together, the 951 cubic feet of granite weighed 237 and 746 pounds. Wow. Whoa, whoa. That's 237,746 yes, yeah, pounds. I misread that. But that, that, that's a lot. Um, the center slab was surrounded by four standing stones of similar height, and the entire structure was capped by a sixth stone, six and a half feet wide, ten foot long, and seven inches thick. The impressive size of the, I'm sorry, the impressive size of the structure was only part of its allure. Carved on each of the four outer slabs were ten precepts, a message to humanity, repeated in English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Mandarin, Chinese, Hebrew, Russian, and Arabic. Translators from the United Nations assisted Christian with the translations. You don't say. Inscribed in the capstone was the phrase, let these be guide stones to an age of reason. Hmm. Written in ancient Greek, Egyptian hieroglyphs, Sanskrit, and Babylonian cuneiform. Yeah, this is stuff everybody does. <laughs> uh, the center slab and capstone also acted as an astrological calendar with carefully cut holes for observance of the moon, sun, and north star. Astronomers from the University of Georgia assisted in refining this part of the project. Maybe bookmark their name too. See how they connect to all this, maybe. Well, while Christian's identity is still a mystery, his purpose is not. Now, this is where, again, the shit article, they think that they know his purpose if they don't even know who he actually is. Like, how do you know the purpose? But it says that created during the Cold War. <laughs> okay. Yes, please. Let's pump the brakes there, yeah. super shooter. So, this is a mystery person. Mm -hmm. Now, how often does the United Nations freely work with an individual that they don't know who it is? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Do we find that to be uh, normal? I mean, the United Nations is pretty fucking weird. <laughs> like, if I was like, hey, United Nations, can you help me do my taxes? But I'm not going to tell you what my name is because there's some dirty shit in there. <laughs> Great. Would they just be like, yeah, dog, we got you. I need you to help me build this new porch. <laughs> you know, like. I have a project yeah. that I need the United Nations to assist yeah. me in. That I, 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 want, I want things scrawled on there from like ancient Sanskrit and shit like yeah. that. It's like, hey guys, do you have any instruction manuals for you know bad people that have built bombs throughout the world on how they built that? <laughs> Maybe assist me with it. Just to set an example of like to not do it. But by the way, you can't know who I am. It sounds like some of our intelligence agencies pitch all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a good point. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me for my ignorance. 
But they say that the, these were created during the Cold War when the nuclear holocaust, says the article, felt like a real threat. These stones were intended. Uh-huh. How do they know? How do they know the intent of what this was supposed to be? I mean, I guess it says it intended to be a beacon for those that survive. So what? here's my question, <laughs> you know, as we go through this shit article. Um, so was it supposed to be much worse? Oh, was it supposed to turn into a hot war? Is that why they were resurrected? So whoever made these, did they know something we don't know? That there was supposed to be nuclear warfare or something bad, oh. right? Because why would it have a beacon for those who survive? Well, here's here's the thing. On that note, John Henry, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there's a lot of people that are celebrating this, and I I, I I I really have mixed emotions on it. Right? Like if this is like some sort of globalist conquering type of symbol. Then, you know, having it destroyed in this way, I, I guess, is some mm-hmm. sort of like marginal victory. But I, you know what? When it comes to the iconoclasm like that we've experienced throughout the George Floyd riots around the world, not just here in the United States, um, when you have like statues being torn down everywhere, like if this is a symbol of the evil of globalism, it should be preserved for people to see because they should learn the lesson of it. Um, and next by the, well, see, I don't yeah, agree with that, that, that it should be just reduced to ash. We don't always agree. <laughs> well, because in here, you know, the, the references that is meant to be a beacon for those that yeah. survive. But for me, when you look at what I think this whole thing is representative of is I think now it's a beacon for hope for the failure of that because I don't know there's later an article reference when it talks about the population amount that we should restrict the globe. Oh no, it to. dances around that. That that's what another thing okay, that makes so it kind of a shit article. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things specifically on there is basically it says limit the world's population to 500 million yeah. people. All right. So when there's a directive to limit the population and when we look at, look, I mean, if you guys are listening to our podcast, you know that we talk about depopulation quite frequently. So to me, I think that this is a beacon of hope to see that thing fucking fall, yeah. for it to be destroyed and then to fall. Well, it depends on who did so it, that's too. My interpretation. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, could it have, it, we assumed, uh, I think, a little too easily here that this was done by one of the people that would be sort of aligned with our ideology, possibly. I mean, I hope so, but it also might have been a couple of dipshits in high school that made a fucking oh, pipe bomb and just wanted to blow something up in mailboxes. Yeah. Were I mean, that's also a possibility, too, like just some, something really crazy or mundane. But um, the other, the other uh, thing that I had in mind, though, was that this is an act of the whatever entity that's taking the place of, of the former uh, liberal world order that this uh, Stonehenge thing represented. <laughs> that it's just a, it's a sort of a flex of the new boss that's in town that might be worse than the old one, even. <laughs> you know, so it's still early. It's, it's kind of early in the game um, whenever it comes to this story. And um, I mean, but as far as like the, the interpretations here in the article of like the meaning of this of this monument, or whatever the hell you want to call it. 
Um, yeah, it really leaves out a lot of key details, I think, for people to understand why people felt a certain way about this thing. Um, now, it does say that, um, according to local historian Raymond Wiley, Christian wanted to prevent, and why? how does this guy know? If nobody knows who this Christian person is, like, how does he know what this person wanted? Uh, to prevent humanity from returning to the bleak place it was in. What does that mean? The precepts are a prescription for a peaceful world. Wiley is co-author of the book, The Georgia Guidestones, America's Most Mysterious Monument. Wiley told Religion News Service, It is amazing how our society has forgotten the threat of nuclear war. Well, not really. I mean, but this context, he said, is lost on today's visitors, but was not in 1980. Now, despite Christian's declaration of purpose, conspiracy theories arose almost immediately. People bring their own beliefs with them when viewing the stones, said Wiley. Well, yes, because nobody has a straight answer as to what the fuck they're about. But nearly immediately, local pastors decried the stones as satanic. We don't think Mr. Christian is a Christian, said the Reverend James uh, Traffenstead of the Elberton Church of God after the 1980 ceremony. Look what it says about the unity of the world. That's where the Antichrist will unite the governments of the world. Now, that's, I mean, that's, that's an interpretation there. Um, also, in the 1986 self-published book, Common Sense Renewed, Christian called himself a follower of Jesus, expressing a broad view of spirituality and religion. No religion has a monopoly on truth, he wrote. <laughs> I mean... Okay, again, we're talking about a not real person. I could say my name is fucking Pop Tart, and I believe in lizard yes. gods. It, Anything it means they could just be weaving a tale here. Like there's no there's no demonstration, there's no proof, there's no <laughs> evidence of any of this stuff. Yeah, they're just uh, interpreting someone's intent and, and assigning good intent too. Like that that's the other thing about it. Like why why good intent? <laughs> it couldn't have been something bad, you know. It could, it, it couldn't have been something to. Oh, this next part gets mm. interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. I like the next part. This yes. Is it says the satanic origin theory never fully retreated and it recently gained steam when former Republican gubernatorial candidate Candace Taylor made demolishing the stones part of her 2022 campaign. <laughs> On May 2nd, she tweeted, elect me governor of Georgia and I will bring the satanic regime to its knees and demolish the Georgia Guidestones. All right. So. <clears throat> midterm elections yeah, this is, is is this a red wave kickoff <laughs> that the, the stones are brought down <laughs> i just want her to just tweet one time and says told you i was gonna blow them bitches up <laughs> i mean what happens to all the uh fireworks after the fourth of july you know they go on sale yeah so i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna wait to take out some guide stones you waited for the right price mm-hmm. point on on the on the explosive fireworks possibly used here like it's a better value if we hold yeah, the off. two for one and everything. <laughs> um, but after the stones were destroyed Wednesday, she tweeted, God is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down satanic guidestones. Taylor has since stated that she does not support vandalism and has disavowed a connection to any such destruction. See, this is where like the fine line gets walked based though. Based on that based on that statement, can we just can we can we name the person that did this? Yeah. It's the God's hand of bomber. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that would be um ooh, God's hand bomber. 
I wonder if that's taken. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if that's trademarked or something. <laughs> no, it says the bombing was not the first time the monument was targeted, though. It, <laughs> definitely might be an Allah's hand. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, that's that. Uh, I mean, again, because it says in 2008, a masked man calling himself an American patriot uh, defaced the monument as a warning to the global elite. He tied the guidestones to a coming new world order. Whoever heard of that? <laughs> a conspiracy theory perpetrated by QAnon followers? I don't think it's just QAnon people that believe in the new world order, <laughs> world order there. Um, and expressed by personalities such as InfoWars founder Alex Jones. Oh, yeah, I always have to. Now listen. <laughs> listen. Listen, listen. We got to remember, this is in a newspaper in West Virginia. Yeah, they don't know. <laughs> so this was right above the cattle feed for yes. sale. Well, like if you're reaching, like, it, it, like if you really don't know shit and you have to write an article about this, of course you're going to bring up like QAnon and Alex Jones because that's like the only oh, conspiracy course. people that you can think of. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. And I love how they say that this American patriot, <clears throat> obviously in, in quotes, uh, defaced the monument as a warning to the global. Yeah. He's like, fuck you, Carl Schwab. <laughs> oh, he has a Sharpie marker that says. New World Order sucks, S-U-K. I mean, and in 08, too. Talk about ahead of his time. <laughs> it's like true. we have these, it's like that those artists true. that just don't fit with their, their current time period. But uh, now it says others of various political or religious affiliations criticize the stones as a call for mass depopulation. So it does talk a little bit about that, but it doesn't go into the specifics or support for eugenics. Theories abound, they say. They don't talk about what the stones actually said or anything. They just say theories abound as a way to just like dismiss it as conspiracy theory stuff about the depopulation thing. But also it's in the article it says here, feeding those beliefs is the rumor that Christian was a Rosicrucian. I don't the fuck that is. And part of a secret historical order of esoteric philosophers and thinkers. The initials RC is for some a clear indicator as well as the stones precepts and it's astronomical usage okay coming in hot again all right so you're an esoteric philosopher Mm -hmm. why do you have to be in a secret historical order of that and the un still helps you out like i I wish Mm -hmm. the un would give us a push (laughs) be great (laughs) Like guys, we need we, we need to get some promotions oh, yeah. off off the ground here, UN. You know, for our, our lovely show that, that I'm sure true. you all would enjoy. <laughs> Come on, folks, we need yeah. some support here. Doesn't matter who we are, we use <laughs> aliases. So well, one, there's a similarity right there. I mean, we, where, where, um, what form do we fill out? Do we have to go to the UN website for this? Like, and this was done in the '80s too. Like, this so was done by like fucking yeah. Telegram back then. Like, and I don't mean yeah. like the the social media site, folks. I mean, the, the the way that this was done back then, like to have to be a little nobody philosopher, esoteric fucking whatever, whatever the fuck, like contact the United Nations to get help and then help from another university locally. And then this monument company, ah, this is really weird. I mean, here's what's so peculiar. Not that everything about this sure. isn't peculiar, but one, when we look at the sheer size of this. I don't know if anybody's ever like priced out granite countertops, but when you look at 372,000 pounds of granite, 
the expense in itself is massive. Then in addition to that, so let's say this is representative of New World Order, depopulation, whatever. Well, why do you stick it in literally in the middle of fucking nowhere? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. In the middle of a field in Georgia? That's seven miles outside of a tiny town that nobody knows where the hell that town is? I mean, they talk about how pretty it is there in the article. <laughs> and whose land was this on? That's what well, I'm interested in. It does go in a Have little bit of Yeah, yeah, it says some onlookers were attracted by the implied occult connections. A local group of Wiccans performed periodic rituals at the site not long after the stones were erected. And I don't know what the fuck. Lady Caladriel Caladriel and And Lord Athenor. Founders of Grove of the Unicorn. (laughs) I don't know what that's about, but. Folks, I am. Listen. It's been a really good time to the listeners out there. I appreciate you. I love you. Uh, I am currently putting in my resignation from the New Prisoners podcast as I will be going to join the Grove, Grove of the, of the Unicorn. Unicorn. That's, I mean, that should have been the name of the podcast. It's it's just, we we picked New Prisoners. We've made a terrible yeah, we made mistake. A terrible mistake. Bad branding. Uh, if we wanted to make a difference in the world, we should have renamed ourselves Lord, Lord Numbnuts Numb Nuts. for the Grove of the Unicorn. Unicorn. Now, they said that those guys who would regularly visit the stones with others, believing the land had spiritual mm-hmm. significance, both Galadriel and Athenor have since died. Oh. Yeah, they died from, you know, in breathing and sage. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> Destroyed Ooh, their lungs. Not a good way to go. As practitioners of an earth-based religion. Oh, yep. They found the precepts call to respect nature of particular interest. Ice. Is this a joke? I mean, that's the thing. Are there jokes anymore? <laughs> is the stones, are, are they a joke? Is the person that this is literally the fucking investigative reporting that she did? Is this a fucking joke? Like, is there so little happening in West Virginia right now? No disrespect. I love West Virginia. It's a beautiful yes. fucking state. But is there so little going on that this is for real I right now? I think this is pretty much the state of journalism pretty much everywhere. Like, this is what this is what we typically see is, like, just about half the story. And, um, you know, from the stuff that I've really been looking into lately, uh, yeah, it fits it, it fits that perfectly. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. it makes sense. Joe Biden releases one million barrels of oil from the strategic reserves uh, to lower your gas prices. Uh and then you immediately go, oh, son of a bitch. He sold those to China to a company that fucking Hunter still owns yep. a stake in. Oh, that was a yep. joke. So the announcement of them doing that, it really was just a fucking joke and a slap in the face. The sin of omission. Most of what's presented to us by our media, I think, is anymore. Um, in quotes, it says, I certainly see this is some sort of center for occult activity, Galadriel said at the time. Other cultists and those who study the world's spiritual centers agreed. Okay, well, that 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 should tell you something, maybe. Um, according to Wiley, a Christian preacher even once offered to donate money to beautify the place, claiming the site was sacred. When the stones were demolished, which and which <laughs> W I T C H and author Vincent Higginbotham tweeted i just cannot i love this place what is happening is this article almost over folks i am so sorry that this is what we started this week's show 
<laughs> it's important because you hear a lot about but it. This on is the why news. people but don't know shit about about these topics. That's this is this is the reporting on stuff that's supposed to be like conspiracy theory level stuff. Is that they do no investigation yeah. whatsoever. They just say, "Oh, these are conspiracy theories," and then just move on to another that's subject cool. altogether. Like quotes from Higginbotham's <laughs> family from Elberton. It says he has wholesome. Fa- this witch and author has wholesome mm. family memories. Oh, I bet of, of mm-hmm. visiting the site and standing mm. together, doing what? <laughs> Try, mm-hmm. Trying to revive some sort of demon, <laughs> marveling yep. at the mysterious background, the message, and the design. The message. <laughs> what message? Yeah. yeah, we um we have such quality family memories of trying to summon a fallen angel from these. Now stones. it does say while he does believe that the remaining pieces will end up in a museum locally, they were a showpiece of the area made by proud masons. Hmm. He said hmm. yes. Hmm. Now was that I a mason know. or is that a who mason? knows? Who knows who to throw it out? He may have done some hand symbols with it too, but just they don't include that in the article. You know what I'm saying? And then in some in Elbert County, often called the granite capital of the world, maybe that's why it was chosen, uh, regarded the guidestones as a symbol of the industry's pride. The Elberton Granite Association maintained the stones until Wednesday. I mean, do you think that they got the shipping quote? Like, <laughs> was supposed to go to dc i want to see the receipts of who paid for this fucking thing there's like here's uh, all right so the shipping's gonna be this they're like fuck all right just put in a field like if you and i don't file (laughs) our taxes properly like we'll have like a flashlight up our ass from the government but like the un gets to spend like this was so if the un helped pay for this right then they technically used our tax dollars to do so well didn't say that it said that they helped With the translation, okay. Not that they paid for. Oh well, yes, but they don they donated some labor. Then I don't know. I I don't know what we could. It's not like we're going to nail these guys on on you know, <laughs> contributing to something from 1980. At this point, we can't even we can't even <laughs> nail anybody cool. on the shit that they're getting away with right now. But after hearing the news and seeing video of the bombing, Wiley, who calls himself a Southerner and an ex-evangelical. Oh. My that God. he was not surprised at the stone's fate, citing the gross amount of superstition surrounding the stones for all. Th- what? The, what you, the gross amount of superstition? You're a fucking witch. Read them. <laughs> yeah, you're a fucking, <laughs> fucking witch. Read them, witch. <laughs> He's like the gross amount of witchery that's going on around in the stones for all these years, like motherfucker. <laughs> Like, I don't like that it was all more witchy than I am. Witchy. <laughs> People that aren't that self aware. Uh, Wiley. Hey, but he's fearful that this is a harbinger of things to come. Oh, yes. But what things? Oh, he said the stones would probably have survived a nuclear war as Christian intended. Oh. And uh, how he knows that, who the fuck knows? Wiley said, but they could hmm. not survive Southern culture. So, yeah. hey. Good for you, Southern culture. <laughs> Southern oh, culture wins. Great job. <laughs> Round of applause to whoever blew them oh, bitches boy. up. So let's talk about the next part of this uh, chaos that's going around the world. Um, this is from Reuters. This is Shinzo Abe's assassin used a handmade firearm. Hmm. This is uh, from Nara, Japan. July 8th, uh, from Reuters, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the longest-serving leader of modern Japan, 
was gunned down on Friday while campaigning for a parliamentary election. Shocking a country where guns are tightly controlled and political violence almost unthinkable. Well, guess what? Look what can happen. Abe, Abe, 67, was pronounced dead around five and a half hours after the shooting in the city of Nara. Uh, police arrested a 41-year-old man and said the weapon was a homemade gun. I am simply speechless over the news of Abe's death, Prime Minister Fumio uh, Kishida, Abe's protege, told reporters. Earlier, as Abe still lay in a hospital where doctors tried to revive him, Kishida struggled to keep his emotions in check. In quotes, this attack is an act of brutality that happened during the elections, the very foundation of our democracy, and is absolutely unforgivable, he said. Abe had been making a campaign speech outside a train station when two shots rang out. Security officials were then seen tackling a man in a gray t-shirt and beige trousers. There was a loud bang and then smoke, businessman Mikado Ichiwaka. Uh, Ichikawa, sorry, uh, who was at the scene told Reuters the first shot, no one knew what was going on. Of course, yeah, that gets most people. But after the second shot, would look like special police tackled him. Uh, Kyoto News Service published a photograph of Abe lying face up on the street by a guardrail, blood on his white shirt. People were crowded around him, one administering heart massage. Abe was taken to hospital and cardiopulmonary arrest and showing no vital signs. He was declared dead at around 5.03 p.m. after having bled to death from deep wounds to the heart and the right side of his neck. He had received more than 100 units of blood in transfusions over four hours. Uh, that was Heidi, uh, I'm sorry, Haritada Fukushima. The professor in charge of emergency medicine at Nara Medical University Hospital told a televised news conference. Police said the gunman had admitted to shooting Abe with a handmade firearm he had fashioned out of metal and wood. Media reported his name as Tetsuya, uh, Tetsuya Yamagami. Police said he was a Nara resident who worked at Japan's Maritime Self-Defense Forces for three years, but now appeared to be unemployed. They were investigating whether he had acted alone. Investigators found several other handmade guns at his one-room flat in Nara City, police added. The suspect said he bore a grudge against a specific organization and believed Abe was a part of it and that his grudge was not about politics, the police said adding it was not clear if the unnamed organization actually existed. What organization could that have been? <laughs> That's a good question. So, not that we haven't beat this to death over and over and over and over and over, uh, but let's talk about the gun control debate. Oh, let's. It is basically impossible for a citizen to own a firearm in the country of Japan. Um, so what you see here is a perfect example that if evil wants to be evil and commit evil acts, then they will find a way to accomplish that. Can't buy guns, 
can't buy guns illegally. You can't get your hands on a fucking gun in Japan. So when you look at what happened in Chicago or in Illinois or in Highland Park, you have a assault weapons ban. Evil. In this instance in Japan, you have a firearm ban, essentially. Evil. So be evil people find ways to do evil deeds. It's, it's always going to happen, isn't it? I mean, when we have these uh, types of attempts on people's lives, too, like we've talked about it before on the show, where what's going to be the the shock heard around the world for our generation? Like, what is going to be the thing that tips something off? And we never know. It could be the Georgia Guidestones. You know, it, it could have it could have already started for a, a, as much as we know. Like, whatever the the crucial or pivotal pivotal moment. Um, January 6th could have been one of those moments. And I, I got to talk about that with somebody recently too. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, you know, with, with this type of thing, like the first thing that went through my mind is that, yeah, anybody with this type of training and explosives, it said this guy was part of the maritime self-defense forces. I, I'm sure he knows a little bit about this stuff, but anybody with that amount of knowledge, like once the Pandora's box is open and you allow people to just, I mean, they can MacGyver some materials together you know, <laughs> to make a gun pretty easily. I mean, if you know what you're doing with certain things, I mean, it's not going to be the most accurate thing in the world, probably, but this guy was able to get off two shots. He was able to hit heart and neck. That's, uh, that's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good shooting. It's, it's, I mean, if that's what you wanted to accomplish, you, you certainly did it. I mean, his target is, is dead. Um, and we don't, I mean, who knows what is actually going to make it over here as far as details on this type of story, too. Like, what's actually going to get out of Japan and in, in, into our hands. We'll actually be able to see or understand what anything this guy was talking about, about this organization uh, that he believed Abe was a part of. I mean, these guys don't necessarily get, like, their, uh, <laughs> you know, hour on 60 minutes here after after assassinating people, I, I don't suppose. So, um, you know... I, this is just one of those things where like, okay, they arrest the bad guy, but we're probably never going to hear anything ever again about it. Um, he's just going to be that crazy guy that used a, a pop gun, you know, if you will, or, or something home, home fashion of that sort. Um, and was able to maybe change the trajectory of the future of Japan. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's something that's kind of crazy to think about that this, um, this violence, you know, could, could affect us at any moment. Um, it, it, it can affect every single person, you know, in, in the midterm election cycle here. Um, I hope that it doesn't. I hope that this is just a, a little flash, you know, somewhere over in Japan and that, that just kind of just goes away. I don't want to see political violence of this type in this country right now, nor ever, um, talking to somebody like Don Jeffries on my show that's uh, talked extensively about the assassinations of the Kennedys, uh, both you know uh, JFK and uh, RFK. Um, I, I don't want these sort of things popping off over here. I mean, we could we could talk about guidestones and monuments and things being taken down and conquering those symbols, but when we get into like the political violence like this, Man, that can get into some really, really nasty territory. Well, at least in my opinion. But um, let, let's move on, though. Let's talk about uh, other things that happened in uh, international politics recently. Let's talk about this from the Irish Mirror, John Edward. It says, why did Boris Johnson resign? 
full explainer here of what's going on in UK politics. Um, now, this is by David Coleman and Sierra Fallon, who are political correspondents. So it says, Boris Johnson finally accepted political defeat when he resigned from his role as British Prime Minister last week. A Tory leader was rocked by scandal after scandal during his time in charge of the country. His resignation was celebrated by the opposing Labour Party and his one-time friends who turned their back on him during the scandal. Now, as we read through this too, this is also not the greatest of articles, but I also wanted to point out too, whom does this sound familiar to? Does it maybe sound familiar to the same gimmick they used with, you know, that guy from New York? What was his name? Oh, yeah. Cuomo. I mean, it doesn't it always end in some sort of political type of scandal involving sex or something and nothing really criminal, such as like, you know, being war criminals and did shit you, like that. Uh, did you see the articles about how Bill Clinton gave him advice on how to deal with a sex scandal? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that came That's out this real week. though? He really like had to chime real, in. Yeah. Like for real. Talk about yes. an ego. Like you you, yes. you really that is one of the biggest, <laughs> it has to be one of the biggest egos in all of politics that after all these years, Bill Clinton's like, hey, let hey, me help you out with that. Let me tell you how to do this, Andy. <laughs> let me tell you. I mean, he did have a let lot of help. You. I got all kind of boom bang in the White House. Let me tell you how to do <sighs> this. And Hillary was too busy trafficking kids to even know that was the best part. But that's even that though, like think of all the criminal acts that the Clintons were part of e- even in that era, Right. And like the thing that they went after Bill on was a sex scandal. It's always sex scandals. That seems to be like a calling card of particular organizations or entities, if you will, too. Um, you know, like the piss tape <laughs> and things of that nature. Yeah. But the irony is, why haven't we went after, like, I don't know, Hunter Biden for his sex scandals? Is, oh, because you can is, prosecute him for some of that shit, right? But they're not going to prosecute Absolutely. Boris for this. He's going to skate. He's going to he's going to leave office you know and not have a single criminal charge on him, just mm-hmm. like many others before him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that these guys watch Citizen Kane. Uh, you know, they considered to some the best movie of all time. You know, and how did they go after Citizen Kane? Sex yeah. scandal. Yeah, it's been a it's been a move for a very long time. Now it's oh, yeah. it says here in the article, but why did he walk away? And what exactly happened? Johnson has always been a divisive figure, but he grew under increasing pressure after accusations he knew about groping complaints made against Deputy Chief Whip Chris Pincher. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get to some lovely jokes about that in a second. Um, it says the Tory who resigned a Deputy Chief Whip over claims he groped two men last Wednesday, is alleged to have made unwanted passes at two conservative MPs in 2017 and 18 after his first resignation as a whip. Wow. So you get a second chance, and this is how you, this is how you pay it off, <laughs> pay off old Boris. Uh, a Tory MP also claimed he was groped on two occasions by Mr. Pincher, first in December 2021, and again last month. <laughs> You think he said pinchy pinchy? Oh, it's it it gets better. It does. It really does. Come here, pinchy pinchy. <laughs> this is what they're doing over there. Oh, this it's is this crazy. Downing Street and various Tory ministers have insisted Boris Johnson did not know 
about any specific allegations when he appointed Mr. Pincher deputy chief whip in February. And the PM tried to keep him on the Tory whip for about 24 hours before he was suspended on Friday evening, following a complaint to Parliament's independence, I'm sorry, independent grievance scheme. But uh, ex-number 10 advisor Dominic Cummings alleged Mr. Johnson referred to Mr. Pincher as Pincher by name, Pincher by sake, nature. I can't do this. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Guys, listen. Sometimes the 12-year-old version of myself just can't fucking stop. So let's go ahead and back through that line where it references Mr. Cummings, Mr. Johnson, and Mr. Pincher. <laughs> It's like this shit right I would have been himself. thrown out of class. If this was a yeah, lesson, I would have been thrown know. the fuck I, out of class. There's no doubt. If that, if that was the group of people, I don't know if I can stop myself from groping them too. <laughs> I mean, we've seen the secret parties that they have, at least the, 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 the tapes that did leak. I mean, who knows? Yeah, they change like, the order. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It should say Johnson, Pincher, Cummings. <laughs> Get the proper sequence in there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, UK. What are you doing? What are you doing with your people over oh, here? God. Like, I mean, we 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 have our, um. well, we have. I mean, the only thing better is, is Mr. Pincher's name is Richard. <laughs> yes. The only way this gets better. <laughs> I mean, but this is, is this the competition, though, really, to Adam Schiff, though? Like, Adam Schiff's hanging out with Ed Buck, like, doing oh. meth. And homeless guys, true. yeah. So, and killing I mean, people. if they, yeah, if they, if, if they aren't at that level, then this is just this is easy to laugh at. I mean, they're, they oh. step their game up. Um, it says one report even claimed Mr. Johnson. This, this, this really is like uh, one of those Austin Powers type of gimmicks, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, Johnson, it, it is. um, AIDS. He had uh, the support of all the sex pests. <laughs> Johnson and the sex pests. <sighs> In the Tory party for a successful 2019 leadership bid. Now, number 10, uh, I feel I feel insulted here about these numbers, uh, have admitted the PM was aware of media reports that others had seen over the years and some allegations that were either resolved or did not progress to a formal complaint. The three cabinet sources admitted there was anger among ministers at having to defend how Downing Street defended the groping scandal. Announcing his resignation, Johnson said it is, clearly, it is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new prime minister. It came in the wake of the scores of ministers resigning over the handling of the Chris Pincher scandal. Mr. Johnson suffered serious blows <laughs> last week. <laughs> Irish Mirror, you're killing it. You're killing it on the double entendres here. Oh my god. As his once closest allies had told him to throw in the towel. On Sunday, it emerged it was Carrie Johnson who tipped husband Boris over uh, from defiance into docile acceptance of his fate. And Mr. Johnson's dad, Stanley, says his son will now console himself over his lost job by turning to painting. Oh, that's great. He'll be able to sell them for the same thing Hunter Biden I does. mean, really, are they getting tipped off by the same people here, too? Uh, when the PM gathered <laughs> aides, 
around a vegetarian takeaway of lentil curry and non bread at 8 p.m. on Wednesday to rebuild his shattered Why is government. that specified? <laughs> he was still determined to cling Why on. Why is that specified? I, I really don't know. I mean, the vegetarian takeaway of lentil curry, I, I mean, you got to watch what you're pinching after that, man. That's It could get a little rough back there after those true. kinds of meals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially if you drink the curry juice. It's not like a soup, folks. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, learned the hard way. Oh. But as the meeting broke up at 11 p.m., Mr. Johnson went up to the flat above number 11. He shares with wife Carrie and their children, Wilfred, two, and Rami, seven months. An insider said Boris had talked through his predicament with Carrie, who has an astute political brain. She told him she thought the game was up, but they agreed to sleep on it. The next morning, she urged him to quit. Following his resignation, I don't know what the fuck that that says. Talsich Mikhail Martin has uh, has told how he did not agree with Boris Johnson on politics, but said the pair got on well on a personal level. Pinchy, pinchy. Mr. Martin <laughs> said that Mr. Johnson... He's like, I kind of like that. Is is good company, but he hoped the next British prime minister could repair what is currently a strained relationship with Ireland due to the decision of the British government to pass legislation overriding the Northern Ireland Protocol. And it's fair to say that over the past, uh, sorry, over the last while, that relationship has come under strain. There have been significant challenges. I didn't say anything personally negative about him. On a personal level, we got on well. We didn't agree on fundamental issues, most notably on Brexit. I wonder if this is payback for any of that. On a personal note, he was good company. One has to say that, and that's generally the experience of most people. Wow. So they say he's a great guy, but he's got to get the fuck out of office because he was just defending too many pinching, too many pinching incidents. Uh, and mail on mail groping. Wow. Okay. Well, from that sex scandal to this, let's talk about this. This was sent to us, John Henry, from uh, a good listener of ours. Um, this is uh, pulled up on the Wayback Machine, of course. So if you ever need to access articles that are no longer around, check out the Wayback Machine. Great little tool. It's interesting how we come full circle back to the United I Nations. Know. And and the thing about this is too, and I don't know if this is written like sort of like tongue in cheek, and maybe our audience can decide as we read through it. This is uh, it says about the author here. This is from George Kent, who is a professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Hawaii. He works on human rights, international relations, peace, development, and environmental issues, of course, with a special focus on nutrition and children. Maybe we'll need our friend Priya to go say hello to Mr. Kent and have a little conversation. That'd be nice. Um, He has written several books. The latest is Freedom from Want, the Human Right to Adequate Food. Now, Kent says in the article, we sometimes talk about hunger in the world as if it were a scourge that all of us want to see abolished, viewing it as comparable with the plague or AIDS. But that naive view prevents us from coming to grips with what causes and sustains hunger. Hunger has great positive value to many people. Indeed, it is fundamental to the working of the world's economy. Hungry people are the most productive people, especially where there is a need for manual labor. 
Now, before we go any further, John Henry, when we had our interview with uh, Silas Guthier of Silas Speaks, um, there was a comment on his channel about our conversation about how we live in a world now that, you know, we we basically have it so good that that's kind of what leads to some of our problems. So, this person is sort of arguing that in a sense where, you know, by keeping people sort of always on the edge, always on the margins, that that is a good uh, motivator. I mean, I can't disagree in a sense. I mean, uh, the... uh, the famine mentality that they put upon us, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck out there, if you actually don't know how you're going to make your next round of bills at this point, you know, and it could be a lot of you out there, I'd say that, you know, people do hold a lot of power over you. You know, the more financial independence that you have, the more free technically you are as a person. Hell, you can get away with murder. I mean, if you're rich, <laughs> you can get away with a lot of shit. I mean, we report on it here all the time. Um, but let's read on. Uh, we in developed countries, it says, sometimes see poor people by the roadside holding up signs saying, we'll work for food. Actually, most people work for food. It is mainly because people need food to survive that they can work so hard either in producing food for themselves in subsistence level production or by selling their services to others in exchange for money. How many of us would sell our services if it were not for the threat of hunger? More importantly, how many of us would sell our services so cheaply if it were not for the threat of hunger? When we sell our services cheaply, we enrich others, those who own the factories, the machines, and the lands, otherwise known as the means of production, and ultimately own the people who work for them. For those who depend on the availability of cheap labor— Hunger is the foundation of their wealth. The conventional thinking is that hunger is caused by low-paying jobs. For example, an article reports on Brazil's ethanol slaves. 200,000 migrant sugar cutters who prop up renewable energy boom. While it is true that hunger is caused by low-paying jobs, we need to understand that hunger at the same time causes low-paying jobs to be created. Who would have established massive biofuel production operations in Brazil, thank you environmentalists, if if they did not know there were thousands of hungry people desperate enough to take the awful jobs they would offer? Who would build any sort of factory if they did not know that many people would be available to take the jobs at low pay rates? Many of the hunger literature talks about how it is important to assure that people are well-fed so that they can be more productive. That is nonsense, it says in the article. No one works harder than hungry people. Yes, people who are well-nourished have greater capacity for productive physical activity, but well-nourished people are far less willing to do that work. The non-governmental organization Free the Slaves defines slaves as people who are not allowed to walk away from their jobs. What does that say a lot about a lot of us? Man, it estimates that there are about 27 million slaves in the world, including those who are literally locked into workrooms and held as bonded laborers in South Asia. However, they do not include people who might be described as slaves to hunger. That is, 
those who are free to walk away from their jobs but have nothing better to go to. Maybe most people who work as slaves to hunger. For those of us at the high end, he says, of the social ladder, ending hunger globally would be a disaster. If there were no hunger in the world, who would plow the fields? Who would harvest our vegetables? Who would work in the rendering plants? Who would clean our toilets? We would have to produce our own food and clean our own toilets. Oh no. No wonder people at the high end are not rushing to solve the hunger problem. For many of us, hunger is not a problem, but an asset. Man, it sounds like something that was written specifically for Goldman Sachs too. I mean, this is the way that they view us as well. I mean, you're just a tax-paying unit. You're just a you're just a number here. You're just something that produces the widgets. You're, you're what produces the unit of of whatever it is that they're selling. Um, it's amazing that <clears throat> this is United Nations. Yeah. And it basically states, here's why sna- slaves are necessary to the world. And then that elitist bullshit towards the end of his oh, statement. Yes. What a grotesque fuck. And the fact that they would put this on the United Nations website is so arrogant and just it's but it is laying out the sort of the game plan that we're all familiar in seeing though is that the way that they can keep oh, yeah. us sort so of here's on the what edge. This says. you're all gonna mm-hmm. be slaves so understand that that's a necessity to us yeah he all but went through it i mean was besides saying you know in the future there's going to be a digital currency and you're just not going to be able to buy fucking food but um let, let's talk about that too um how dutch farmers are using manure to protest the government's industry-killing climate change plan. This is from Town Hall. This is from Leah Barkaukis. But um, it says plans lawmakers in the Netherlands have to reduce emissions are being met with intense opposition by farmers who say it'll force them to go out of work or force them to kill their own livestock. Well, these sound like great plans. We have to do these, don't we? We have to reduce these emissions. Because we have targets. This is what people understand. Now, in a statement about its emission reduction targets, cutting nitrogen oxide and ammonia by 50% nationwide. Now, don't we have a problem with that, John Henry, right away? Because what the fuck is going on in the Ukraine right now that's, oh, oh, that's right. All the god dang it fertilizer, (laughs) you know, all the fertilizer. I mean, that's important when you're growing crops. Now, it says they want to reduce this by 50% nationwide in the next eight years. In the next eight years, what year will it be? Hmm. What's that UN target bullshit? Ooh, it's that magic, <laughs> magic number of 2030. 2030 again. As you will own nothing and be happy. Now, you think that, you know, maybe that would have mm, some sort of effect on the government there. In the Netherlands. Let's read on. The government was frank. The honest message is that not all farmers can continue their business. Thanks, government. I love when the government tells me. Don't you remember, folks? Can you can you remember? It wasn't it just like it was almost like it was yesterday when the government said, Hey, fuck your business. We're just gonna make you close down because this disease that we we may have made. Um, you know, that got loose. So uh, now you can't have a business unless we tell you to. 
that's just the new rules because it's an emergency. Continue on. <laughs> uh, it says the proposal leaves two options for farmers, whether shut down or charge, uh, or, or I'm sorry, or change their current practices. Okay. So we know that the change their current practices is completely mm-hmm. unrealistic. It's not going to happen. And we understand that with all this climate change and, and lower carbon footprint bullshit that they're pressing, it's not realistic. You can't yeah. do that. So there is no two options. The option is shut down. It's not like they can go and utilize an alternative crop and that resolves this issue for them. It's not like they can stop using tractors and go back to using oxen to pull <laughs> you know, their equipment in the field. So there is no two options. That's bullshit to even make oh, that yes. statement. There's one. You're fucked. Your livelihood is done. Your family's legacy is over. Wrap this shit up and learn how to code. Oh, yeah. But that's that's assuming, though, that it is like people like us, John Henry. Um, when you're somebody like Bill Gates, all of these stupid uh, regulations don't mean shit because you can lose money to destroy all your competition. You could do that for decades if you want. Absolutely. So if you Absolutely. wanted to collapse the food market there in the Netherlands and take absolute control of it, um, this would certainly be the way to do it. Make it infeasible for farmers over there of any variety other than the upper echelon of the caste system now in this world. Uh, <laughs> you make it easy for the uh, the big guys to come in and take over. Um, in response, uh, some 40,000 farmers are protesting. They're blocking roads and supermarket distribution networks leaving bales of hay in the streets and spraying government buildings with manure. At- <laughs> hey, real yes. quick, and listeners, I know you said stop okay. interrupting. I just want to say that's I my love favorite it. part. I love that they're spraying these buildings in <laughs> liquid Ready shit. the poo cannons, please. <laughs> yes. And leaving some on the street yes. near the home of the minister. The only thing I wish I could see is I wish they were spraying the politicians themselves with the poo cannons. They sprayed the street near the home of the minister leading to the country's anti-pollution efforts. I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> Did you see the police officers firing the weapon at the kid driving? No, a I missed that one. He was either 14 or 16 oh. years old. And literally one of these guys pulls out a pistol and starts shooting oh at God. it. And another cop comes behind the guy shooting at this fucking tractor and like pulls his arm down and stops him from firing this weapon at this tractor. See, and that's another incident where, I mean, geez, if you want to talk about the start of the Revolutionary War, John Henry, I mean, a a young man shot to death in the streets in front of a crowd. Like when you have that sort of thing happen, I'm not saying that they're ready to go that wild over there in the Netherlands, but uh, that'll certainly up the ante a little bit. If they would have killed that kid. (laughs) If they would have killed that kid, you would have seen a whole different level yes. of protest. And uh, I, I, I fear that it, we're we're getting to that level, and I don't know what country it's going to be at this point. Um, now it says here here is a video attached. I don't know if it's going to let me play it. I don't think so because it's an archive one. But you can check out the original for that. It says yes, they are spreading manure on government buildings and blocking the highways with tractors. There is uh, the poo cannons. Now, thousands of Dutch farmers, says, protest against emissions targets. The farmers rallied against the Dutch government's plans to rein in emissions of nitrogen oxide and ammonia, like it says there, as from Al Jazeera. In their infinite wisdom, the government of the Netherlands wants to impose new climate goals of reducing nitrogen output by 2030. There it is. Somebody finally put the, the numbers up there, which will force farmers out of business. Holland had even appointed a new minister 
for Nature and Nitrogen, the minister Christian Vanderwall protests. Another one from Wall Street Silver. I wish protesters in the USA were as interesting in their tactics as the Dutch are. Dutch farmers closed the border between Holland and Germany with tons of manure to protest nitrogen cuts. Also says sound is optional there for that one. And then uh, we have this one too. Dutch farmers are being treated appallingly by their political masters, being forced to kill their livestock and close their farms in order to slash emissions, including ammonia and urine and feces. Honestly, this is the sort of thing in which revolutions are made. So just, yeah, just like what we had talked about. There's a shot there of uh, the convoy, it looks like. Wow. Lots of stuff going on. So, but um, I there's just several more tweets. Lastly, rounding out the article, it says, Dutch Prime Minister Mark Root has pushed back against the protesters, of course, just like Trudeau and other people would, arguing... You can demonstrate, but in a civilized way. You have to do it the way we tell you to do it, because we fucking tell you to do everything, don't we? I think Pooh Cannon is yes. civilized. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's funny, speaking of Trudeau, have you seen the last couple times he's been in public? No. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, so if you guys follow, you know, if you're on Truth Social, if you're on Instagram, Twitter, obviously, nah. Um, but it's amazing everywhere he goes, he's not accosted physically, but verbally the people can, they call him a traitor, a communist, a piece of shit. He can't go anywhere and speak right now. And the people just annihilate him. And it is a thing of beauty. And I think that's great. I really think that's great. These people shouldn't be able to be out in public. And I'm not saying to harm them physically. Don't do that. But just let them know that you're fucking done with their bullshit. Don't let them speak. Don't let them spew that fucking garbage, the lies, the propaganda, the vitriol. Don't even let them do it. Silence them that way. Don't give them a public forum. And I fucking love watching that happen. Because here's the thing. There is no difference between these guys spewing shit out of a tractor is there is the words coming out of these people's mouths. Yes. It it, it should all be used to shame and fucking embarrass these people. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, it says he added, so don't block the highways, don't set off fireworks outside a minister's house, and spread manure, scare two children, they scare two children, and endanger families, endanger families? Yeah, can I speak to that for a second, (laughs) please? Yes, please. Don't scare two children Mm. and endanger their families, but literally eliminate Thousands upon thousands of farmers' ability to make a living and feed their families and their fucking children to endanger their families and children. See, and this is this this is this the self righteous elitist mm-hmm. bullshit. Don't scare two children, but your kids aren't going to be able to eat anymore. But you know what? If we go ahead and reference this United Nations article, that's probably yeah. for the best. <laughs> I mean, it's just disgusting. Well, and, and two, what's, what's really sick about it is, is that ultimately by them doing this. And then also them setting the precedent for this and doing it in multiple other countries, I'm sure, because this isn't the only country that I'm sure that has these targets uh, because, well, there's more than one country aligned with the UN uh, for their 2030 uh, sustainability goals. Well, that if they achieve what they really want here, John Henry, it's going to starve a lot more than just two children. That's what's really disgusting about him. 
Now let's talk about um, another place that's really uh, popped off recently. You mentioned this before, John Henry. This is um, uh, from the USA News. Uh, this is, is Sri Lanka leading the way into the New World Order, or is it showing us the way out? And this kind of brings up the same type of point I was I was talking about before. Like, are we moving into something that's, I don't know, a little bit more influenced by people like us, liberty-minded people? Or are we moving into another era of authoritarianism that could be backed up by something, well, pe- maybe even people that we don't even know? Um, but let's move on. It says the... I don't believe any single country is the model for the new world order because so many countries are neck deep in Klaus Schwab's world economic forum driven madness that's referred to as the great reset. So just like we were talking about in the last article here, Uh, but Sri Lanka is certainly one nation to watch. It's corrupt puppet politicians, just like those in Canada, (laughs) New Zealand, Australia, the U S of course, and Europe, as we've talked about more recently, have been in a race to finish to the finish line of Schwab's dystopian global technocracy, which is the final destination, a truly dark place, of total surveillance and soul-crushing control over all human activity. This is a good article. <laughs> all resistors will be dealt with harshly, as we've seen from the J6 protest here in America. Yes. And the truckers uprising in Canada, certainly. But maybe, just maybe, the resistors in some of these countries will find a way to tap into the fury that is rising up among the people and throw off their shackles. It will be interesting to watch Sri Lanka, as it seems things may be coming to a head there faster than anywhere else. Since this spring, people on the island nation formerly known as Ceylon have been dealing with gas shortages, power outages, high inflation, food riots, and runs on the banks. All things that can happen here pretty much this fucking week, people. I have sources inside the country feeding me information. So this is not second or third hand information. It is straight from the native people living through what is an intensifyingly powder, uh, I'm sorry, intensifying powder cake. Now, as early as May 9th, my source told me, it says in the article, of spreading food riots and people are killing each other on the streets. This led to curfews and planned power outages. Wow, that's surveillance state stuff. Curfews and planned power outages. Now, since then, it's only gotten worse. Well, yeah. Today, there are reports that protesters have breached the temple trees, which is the official residence of Prime Minister Renil, oh boy, Wickrem Meshingli? Yeah. Then they stormed the president's office, watch below, which we can watch there if we want, but it says uh, Sri Lankans also broke into the gates of the country's central bank. Why is this happening? And if you do want to watch that video, uh, subscribe uh, to our Substack. This will be included in this week's source list, and you can also find it on Minds. Uh, the nation has been driven into bankruptcy by its corrupt leaders. People have been left without fuel and food. They have had enough, and many are at their breaking point, a point at which you realize you have nothing to lose by going on the offense against the gangsters who have destroyed your country. Here's another video where they have breached the president's 
resonance demanding his resignation. Now, I will say this. I like the idea of the non-aggression principle. Um, a lot of that philosophy um, can help guide people in certain situations, but here's an ethical question. And maybe for the, the Big Liberty people out there, too, can chime in on this uh, this week uh, for us, John Henry, too, with, with an answer to this question. But when it comes down to aggression against other people, like say that you're a party, uh, you're, you're standing in, say, like a, a Target bathroom, right? <laughs> and someone's being assaulted. Let's say maybe a child of underage in that Target bathroom. Um, you could go ahead and you can call the manager. You could call the security people there at Target, or you could bust in there and fucking stop it. And the thing is, like, some people would argue that you're wrong for doing so, that you would be, you would somehow be, you would uh, sort of jumped over the chain of command by being the aggressor in that case and, and stopping what was ever happening there, and, um, and maybe even defend it uh, in, in a sickening, sickening way, which we might talk about a little bit later too, actually. Um, but, you know, when you're an aggressor, an aggressor in that sense, like, are you truly like taking on the positive liberty aspect of things where like you're the protector and you're forcing that upon other people? I don't think so as much. Like, I think like if you're, if you're in another situation, say that you're just in a, in, in a, in a crowd and you see a man just beating a woman, like just, just beating her and nobody's doing anything about it. Like, and we've talked about this too, where like people just pull out their cell phone and they just stand there and they watch the shit happen. Like, there's going to be people that want to do something about that, right? That want to stop that from happening. That want to make sure that that wrong is righted somehow. And relying on our justice system, relying on justice anywhere in the world, relying on our politicians to bring justice for anything that's been done to you that that's wronged you in this way. Like for you to take action in a manner that is potentially violent, and if not deadly in some cases, you know, like these, it gets really scary for me. It gets really scary for me to see people in this position because it can go really wrong, really fucking fast. And you know, I, I so I have, I have apprehensions. I want to see. Uh, I want to see uprisings against government all over the world, especially when it's deserved, especially when they're starving people, especially when you can't get supplies or, or gas and, and you have curfews and you have a security state, you know, uh, holding you hostage basically in your own country. But I have a really hard time drawing where the line, where the appropriate line is. I know that there's plenty of people out there that want to chime in and say, well, of course it's, you know, overcoming the oppressor through violence. Like that's, that, that's what we did in the revolutionary war. They might say John Henry. And, um, you know, they, they, they're probably right on that, but it, there was a lot that led up to that. Like there was a lot of, um, diplomacy that did lead up to that period, uh, that was sort of shot in the ass as we just talked about by having a, a young man shot in front of a crowd of people. But it, it could so easily go that way with this. It could so easily go the way that somebody you know is accosted here, somebody is shot. Like we've talked about, like people yelling at Justin Trudeau and calling him a piece of shit, and he deserves that. But if somebody you know burned down his house, you know this week, 
that's going to cause some shit in Canada. Like that's not going to, that's not going to end well for a lot of the citizens of Canada. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be caught up in things with the, the authorities there, um, you know, in protests and other things that are going to, people are going to be on edge. And as soon as you put the, the sort of violent vibe out there for a protest like this too, then of course you're going to have that um, necessary uh, reaction to it through, through the use of force through security forces, through the military and I don't know what else uh, they got going on over there. So that's my piece on it. It says here, I heard from my most trusted source today inside Sri Lanka, who said people were coming to Colombo, the capital, to participate in these mass protests. Many came packed into cargo containers because almost all of the buses and passenger trains have run out of fuel. Could you imagine, folks? I mean, no wonder shit is getting really real over there, right? What would you do tomorrow if you got up and say there was no gas for your mode of transportation anywhere? That'd be a little fucked up, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, I think this is, we, we need to recognize and learn a lesson from this, especially when you look at the fuel crisis, right? And, and folks, here's the deal. I'm not talking about gas being expensive. I'm talking about legitimate fuel crisis that we are going through. You know, when it gets more expensive, right, that's one thing. Not that it's okay. But on the other hand, when you look at we've essentially stopped almost all oil production in the United States. We rely on other countries importing fuel. This can happen here. If you think that there'll never be a time based on the track that we're on, that it'll never be a possibility that you can't put gas in your car. You can't put gas in a bus or a train. What are you going to do? There's no going to work. There's no going to the store, depending on where you live. Because here's the other part. It isn't even about you going to the store. If there's no fuel for a truck to bring food to a store, this is what happens. This is what takes place. That's a problem. That's a massive problem. You know, when you hear it, Biden said it himself. He said it himself when he made the statement that his goal is we are not as dependent on fossil fuels after this fuel crisis we're going through. Folks, it's self-induced. That's why we take fuel out of our strategic oil reserves and sell them to other countries like China. It's not to benefit you. That's not to help you. That's not to lower fuel prices. None of those things. None of them. This whole entire thing is a fabricated crisis. It is a fabricated breakdown, right, of our ability to have fossil fuels in the United States. Because now we have Congress people, right? We have them coming out and making those statements, talking about the things that he did in the first two weeks of his administration, stopping the Keystone Pipeline, stopping our oil leases, all of it. And they want to blame Putin? What the fuck does Putin have to do with us stopping our own Keystone XL pipeline and accessing our own resources within our country? It has nothing to do with it. It's all a fucking show. All of it. Do you know what the end of the show is? You folks are looking at it right fucking now. That's the end of the show. So as we talk about every, every week, you better start talking to your local politicians and you better start doing it tomorrow. Because it is of the utmost importance to us right now. If you don't want to end up in a situation 
And here's all the motivation you need. I want you to genuinely think about when you run out of the tank of gas that you have in your car that you can't put any more in there. What in the fuck are you going to do? That's what I want you to think about. So understand that we can't just sit at the sidelines and go, God, I hope it works itself out. It's going to be okay. Oh, fuck, sucks. It's really expensive. Oh, my goodness. No, you need to sit down and really go, what would I do if I can't put gas in my car? Can't use public transportation. And vehicles can't get food to supermarkets. That's what we face right now. So there should be no wonder what happened in Sri Lanka happened there. No wonder. In this article, people walked up to 100 kilometers to go participate. What the fuck? They had no choice. What are you going to do? Stay home? Starve to death? Die? Absolutely not. Yeah. So can you blame them? Folks, this is past the breaking point. Right now, we're struggling, but this is the breaking point. And, and they surpassed that. So you can't blame the people of Sri Lanka. And my, and, they had and my no fear, choice. too, John Henry. They didn't just decide. Yeah, is that we have eight more years of this. <laughs> you know, because it says right here in quotes, <laughs> please write an article uh, of our country's situation. My Sri Lankan friend asked me, this is probably the start of everything for other countries through the Great Reset. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, from now until 2030, how many other countries oh, could go through finish this? Finish it. Read the last mm-hmm. line. Read the last line. In Our PM Renil is a Freemason and a member of the WEF. That's a double whammy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So think about that, guys. Their prime minister is a Freemason, right? And a member of the World Economic Forum. No coincidences. How, how well did that work out there? <laughs> So I'm sorry. Is that person from fucking Sri Lanka a conspiracy theorist? Is that <laughs> That's what, what they are? Called. Oh my goodness, that guy's unreasonable. <laughs> oh, he's talking about secret societies. Go that guy. Yeah, that guy just fucking walked a hundred kilometers because his family's fucking yeah. starving. Yeah. And it said that we have reports today that Sri Lankan president, uh, Raja Paksi, is fleeing the nation aboard a naval vessel. You see the video? There's a video of him. Yeah, that one. Scurrying onto the boat like a fucking rat. There's uh, footage here, breaking news. This is uh, posted on Twitter from We the Fringe. Footage emerges said to be of President Raja Paksi uh, fleeing Sri Lanka aboard a Navy vessel. You know the one thing that disappoints Mm -hmm. me about that? I wish that fucker got on that vessel. And then they went, Hey man, just so you know, we don't yeah, have any gas. Exactly. <laughs> hey man, you can't you just go him a fucking paddle. Like ahead, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Start working that back. Oh, oh it asked man. my source. Uh, it says, I asked my source about this in the article. Yes, it happened. We all saw it on TV was the reply. We don't know where the president is right now. What about the prime minister? Renil? I asked. Uh, he is the notorious Masonic traitor and disciple of Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. We're now saying he will resign once a national government is formed. I was told, although this is being taken with a large grain of salt by Sri Lankan citizens who have lost patience with Renil and don't believe a word he says, Renil reportedly signed an agreement with the WF, WEF I'm sorry, in 2016 that placed him under the wing of the globalists. He is a puppet politician. Sound familiar? Canadians, Americans, Europeans, it says in the article. (laughs) Well, I like that statement. This is a good article. It says, who does not answer to his citizens? 
He answers to foreign entities in London, New York, Brussels, and Davos. We have unearthed a video of Renault speaking at the WEF in 2016, says C below, where he refers to a bailout from the IMF. Oh, there we go. There's a nice appearance from that name. I haven't seen them in a while. And pledges his fealty to the globalists under a restructured economy. At around the seven-minute mark of the video, um, a Chinese reporter asks this Sri Lankan PM about his country's role in the WF-facilitated Fourth Industrial Revolution and how communist China fits into that plan. In his answer, Renault displays his willingness to pimp his country out to the Chinese Communist Party, offering large infrastructure projects funded by the Chinese government. This includes giving the Chinese communists rights to develop a port city in Sri Lanka. Geez, I wonder if the IMF had anything to do with that. Renault said he would also like to see Chinese investments in his country. Of course he would. Which, of course, always come with a price tag in the form of influence over government policies favorable to the Chinese. Well, geez, that sounds like somebody else that we know of that made news about that this week, John Henry. Why? We're about to drop tariffs on China? (laughs) Yeah, why would we keep those? Um, And it says that's exactly how it's worked in the United States, where U.S. politicians, business oligarchs, I'm glad they brought that up too, and media outlets get paid handsomely to sell out their country's working class citizens. In the above video, Renal states, uh, infrastructure development alone is not sufficient. Now we are discussing Chinese investment, and the Chinese government has also decided that some of its manufacturing industries should move out. And Sri Lanka seems to be one of the locations for the industries to move out. So we are looking for the Chinese participation in the logistics hub of Sri Lanka, as well as further investments in the real estate sector. So everything is in flux. The world is on fire, it says in the article. Protests are heating up. But until I see the puppet politicians being hauled out of their offices and palaces in handcuffs, I am cautious not to get too optimistic. I remain skeptical that the network of global predators are losing control of the power structures they have taken over through stealth and subterfuge over the last hundred years. I am too. Who is like the beast and who can fight against it, says Revelation 13. If we are living in the end times, this just might be the beast. In which case, we await our king, who will arrive shortly on the scene, at which time every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. What a good way to end the article. <laughs> hey, um, can we talk about Canada Absolutely. for a second? Let's. Didn't they have a problem with the internets? Yeah, I want to talk about that mm-hmm. for a second. You know, when we talk about limitation of fuel, we talk about limitation of food. Um, the importance of preparation. So Rogers, um, who's the largest communication company across Canada, went down multiple times in this last week. Right. And and when we talk about being prepared, uh, to me, this was a total test run. And what happened was when Rogers went down, the whole country's cell phone service and internet went down. 
So number six, what else went down? Oh, if the internet goes down, geez, you have so many networks that are depending upon that. I mean, Oh, like merchant accounts. Oh yeah. Oh, so your debit card or credit card doesn't work. Hey buddy, what about um, trade? Doesn't it? ATMs? <laughs> yeah. What about ATM machines? Oh geez. Yeah. So what do you have for currency at that point? <laughs> Mm, hope you got a couple loonies and toonies. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're from Canada, I'm referencing an actual form of currency. Yes, but um, I mean, other things could be used as currency like food, gas, water, mm, ammunition, mm, mm-hmm, all kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to have those. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, folks. You know, I, I sent this this article about what happened in Canada to a lot of friends, and, and I made it very simple. You better have cash and yep. a plan. You better have cash and a plan. And I have to reiterate that this week. Guys, you're talking about an entire country that had no access to merchant machines where they can't use a credit or debit card, no access to ATMs, no way to send text messages, make phone calls, except from landlines which most people don't have anymore. So this is a cautionary tale. And I just want to throw it out there and give everybody a heads up because now multiple times we've seen technological blackouts happen intermittently around the world. That's not good. So cash and a plan, fuel, ammunition, food, all of these things, right? A lot of stigma. Oh man, I've seen doomsday preppers. Those people are fucking crazy. Well, let me ask you this. How do you think the people in Canada, even if it was a 24-hour period that had no access to money, the ability to spend anything that was in their bank account, right? And we've already talked about the tale of China, where they turned people's health codes red and froze their yep. bank accounts, right? They had no access to their own fucking money. Because when it's in the bank, it ain't your money. It's their fucking money. And if it's all digital and there's no way to get access to it, you got a big problem there, fella and yeah. ladies. I just want to throw that out there as a reminder. That's something really important that happened this week. That Canadian blackout. Well, the Not other good. sort of weakness it shows, especially in our modern culture, is is that so you go into like an essential worker type business, right? Go go to a fast food restaurant, for instance. Do you think that they're going to like work with you on, on like getting you some food if you have other things to sort of barter with or even cash in some instances? Because like. If their POS system goes down, do you think that they're just going to like accept all transactions like that? Uh, th- would they even be able to produce a product without some of the computer systems and automation and other things? Like everything that's of our infrastructure now in modern society, when the internet goes down, all the big businesses, all the big box stores, all the members of the World Economic Forum, if you will, all, all the all the big guys, um they're probably not going to be able to service you. It's your local people. It's like the, the the shop down the street that doesn't have a fancy POS system that relies you know on their connection to the internet to to function or produce goods or services and other things like that. So you know, also it it points out that you know if you're going to be in a situation like that, make some contacts with with some people in your local area. Figure out where you can get water and food and other things and and services if you need them. 
you know, so that that's that's also important. Well, you can exchange currency, you can exchange cash, you can exchange other things with these people, um, and network with them. Where you don't have to rely on, you know, using them as an example again. Like if you walk into a Target in a situation like this, and the internet is down, I guarantee you that their lights might not even fucking work. Like all of their shit is tied into the internet. So. Um, yeah, it's not going to be easy. Even if you can get to the big box stores, if something like that happens that they might not be able to even serve you or would deny serving you, uh, because they're not connected to their network. So, um, but let's talk about, uh, getting no service whatsoever. Joe Biden's fucking brain, (laughs) starting with this for the Washington free beacon, uh, Biden sold a million barrels from us strategic petroleum reserve to China owned gas giant. Biden's energy department said move would support American consumers and combat Putin's price hike, which is uh, as big of a fucking lie as the ghost of Kiev. <laughs> like, like just all bullshit. Like there is no Putin's fucking price hike. This is from Colin Anderson. So it says the Biden administration sold roughly 1 million barrels of the strategic petroleum reserve to a Chinese state controlled gas giant that continues to purchase Russian oil. A move, the Energy Department said, would support American consumers and combat Putin's price hike. (laughs) Biden's Energy Department in April announced the sale of 950,000 strategic petroleum reserve barrels to Unipec, the trading arm of the China Petrochemical Corporation. That company, which is commonly known as Sinopec, is wholly owned by the Chinese government. No concerns there. The Biden administration claimed the move would address the pain Americans are feeling at the pump and help lower energy costs. That's like saying, you know what would help that 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 goose egg that I left on your forehead? Me hitting you with this fucking hammer on it. <laughs> that, that's it's, it's so stupid. We're gonna we're gonna solve the problem we created by doing it harder. <laughs> that's basically what he says. More than 5 million barrels of oil released from the U.S. emergency reserves, however, were sent overseas last month, according to a Wednesday Reuters report. At least one shipment of American crude went to China, the report said. The Biden administration also claimed the Unipec sale would support American consumers and the global economy. In response to Vladimir Putin's war of choice against Ukraine and combat Putin's price hike again, there it is. But as the war rages on, Unipec has continued to purchase Russian oil. In May, for example, the company significantly increased the number of hired tankers to ship a key crude from eastern Russia, Bloomberg reported. That decision came roughly one month after Unipec said it would purchase no more Russian oil going forward once shipments that have arrived in March and due to arrive in April were fulfilled. The White House. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Can you sure. do me a favor? Can you explain to the people the point of our strategic petroleum reserve, please? I mean, I would just go you know, and say that um, this I, I'm familiar somewhat with this story here of the strategic mm-hmm. naval reserves that um, Al Gore was mm-hmm. a part of the sale of after he got out of political office. It seems that. Oh, I thought he was part of the um, strategic semen reserve. Oh, yes, continued. absolutely. <laughs> the whole man bear pig thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so we have we have these strategic oil reserves that are set aside, I guess, you know, for, you know, war, case of emergency, 
you know, something fucked up happens. Um, it probably doesn't make a lot. It's like if you have emergency water and then you get thirsty and you drink all of it. If something happens, then you don't have any water. Oh, by the way, you're in the you're in the yes. desert when you drink that emergency yes. water. Because we're currently in a petroleum desert when we stop production yep. of fossil fuels. Well, and distribution of crude. Like, it's not just, like, the production on our end, too. Like, we're begging Saudi Arabia to produce even more of this shit. But it's all getting it's all getting funneled to China. And is that at the behest mm-hmm. of the World Economic Forum? Because they're basically business partners here. Like, is this all part of the same t- Agenda 2030 bullshit that's tied into every single article that we've had thus far on this show? Potentially. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, the reason I asked number six to, to specify that a little bit is uh, I got two words for you. Sri Lanka. Yeah. If you want to know how that could happen to us, there you have yeah. it. There's your instruction manual on how to go into a fuel crisis. Of course. What happens if there was a supply chain cut between us and where we get this type of crude oil? I mean, it, it wouldn't be like that hard to imagine, say, a war or some sort of conflict. You know, maybe another pandemic, which has been teased, you know, as of recent. So we'll even talk about some of that stuff, too. It could be a number of different things that shut down that supply chain. And if we don't have a bunch of leftover oil here to sustain us, at least enough in, uh, to sustain life itself, which it does, um, then yeah, there's going to be a lot of people in a lot of different uh, problem situations because of that. Now, it says the Biden administration also claimed the Unipex sale would support Americans. Oh, I think we already read that. The White House did not return a request for comment. Its decision to sell barrels from the country's strategic petroleum reserve to a Chinese conglomerate comes as the American public increasingly sours on Biden's energy policies. Oh, must be all those stickers that they're they're putting on the gas pumps. According to a January Gallup poll, roughly three in four Americans are not satisfied with the federal government's national energy policy, the highest level in nearly two decades. Well, do you think that they're going to stop anytime soon? Or are they on a mission to 2030? Uh, Power of the Future founder Daniel Turner admonished Biden for selling raw materials to the communist Chinese for them to use as they want. We were assured Biden was releasing this oil to America so it could be refined for gasoline to drive down prices at the pump. So right off the bat, they're just lying to the American people. That's what they do. I mean, Turner told the Washington Free Beacon, it says... What they're saying they did and what they did are not remotely related. <laughs> yes. They said that they're going to they're going to solve our energy crisis issues. They're going to solve the climate issues. Anything that they claim that they're going to do is bullshit. And it usually results in the opposite of their stated intent, too. Real funny how that happens. But uh Turner also said the decision highlights the Biden family's relationship with China. Biden's son, Hunter Biden, which 4chan has just released a bunch of shit about, is uh, tied to Sinopec. In 2015, a private equity firm he co-founded bought a $1.7 billion stake in Sinopec marketing. That sounds like a small investment. Sinopec went on to enter negotiations to purchase Gazprom. Well, we've heard that name before. In March, 
one month after the Biden administration sanctioned the Russian gas giant. Biden campaigned heavily against the oil and gas industry in 2020, promising to end fossil fuel. I wonder if that would cause any disruption in the supply chain or price of it if you try and, you know, end the shit. Uh, he went on to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline, as John Henry had mentioned brilliantly, uh, and implement a moratorium on new gas leases on federal land during his first month in office. Wow, do you think that was a priority that he was supposed to get to? You know, if, if granted that power by the global corporatist oligarchy, yes, his one of his first actions, one of his first duties as president was to fuck up the oil industry. Biden's energy secretary, meanwhile, is working with left-wing activists who want to eliminate fossil fuels. And in late October, House Oversight and Reform Committee Democrats pushed top oil executives to produce less gas due to climate change. <laughs> gas prices have since soared to record highs. You don't say. If there's less of it, the price goes up. In mid-June, the national average for a gallon of gas surpassed $5 for the first time ever. Still, the White House has assured Americans that they need to pay high gas prices to support the liberal world order. In quotes, it says, what do you say to those families that say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years? CNN anchor Victor Blackwell asked Biden economic advisor Brian Deese in late June. And Deese said, this is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm, Deese responded. Yeah, so they're not beholden to you. They're not beholden to your lifestyle. They're not beholden to your comforts. They're not beholden to you even being able to survive, folks. When you put these people in power, they are not serving you. They're serving something else. They're serving the WEF, and they're serving Agenda 2030, and they don't care if people starve to death. They don't care what the price of oil is. They don't care what the price of gas is. None of that shit matters to them. It's about the end game, and it's about serving old Klaus and making a lot of money off of the Chinese, too. Now, this also from the Washington Free Beacon. Another great follow-up article here. Biden aid gaslights Americans on President's teleprompter flub. So, what this motherfucker even says is up for debate. Like, it's you can't even watch the videos, see the words coming out of his mouth, and identify what's actually happening here. We have to have a, a separate person correcting us on this, John Henry. This is... Uh, from the Washington Free Beacon staff. <laughs> folks, folks, we have a real-time news update. I need to report Ooh. this to you. Chuck Schumer tests positive for COVID. <laughs> As a part of his regular testing regimen, leader Schumer received a positive test result for COVID-19. The leader is fully vaccinated and double boosted and has very mild symptoms. He greatly appreciates the protection the vaccine has provided him and encourages everyone to test regularly and get vaccinated and boosted. Real-time news. Back to you, number six. It seems like we've heard those lines before. I don't know. I might have to go back and check my bookmarks while the previous episodes here. Uh, it says, The White House is asking Americans not to believe their ears after President Joe Biden's latest failure to read his teleprompter. In response to criticism over Biden reading his cue to repeat the line on the teleprompter as though it was part of the speech, a member of the White House press staff said everyone simply heard him wrong. 
Oh, in quotes, it says, no, he said. Let me repeat that line, wrote White House Assistant Press Secretary Emily Simmons in a response to a video post of the moment shared on Twitter. No, he said, let me repeat that line. Hmm. Now, the White House is wrong about what the president said, according to everyone who listened to Biden's remarks. A slowed down version of Biden's remarks makes clear. Could you imagine how slow that actually goes off on? (laughs) Slower than a fucking Sun O song. (laughs) Like it's just drone, just. Wow. But it says that a slowed down version of Biden's remarks makes clear. Of course it does. Do you think they're like big rainbow block letters? It needs to be. There's no way it's regular text. (laughs) It's like a 110 size font. Well, I mean, if all the the, uh, sight impaired that might be following along with his words. I don't think, I mean, uh, aside from people in our circles, John Henry, is anyone even paying attention to this fucking guy anymore? Has everyone just seen it and like they've seen the the show and they're like, well, we're kind of fucked there. And they just stop paying attention. Like they, they rather pulled the lever for him thinking that he was going to be something better than Trump. If they hated Trump, um, they rather pull the letter, uh, the lever for him thinking that he was going to solve global warming or racism or whatever else. Like, <laughs> or they pulled the lever for Trump and just so happened to vote oh, yeah, for that Joe too. Biden. <laughs> Which when we see, you know, what's spreading across the country with shutting down the ballot boxes, I mean, that's become prevalent. But to your point, I totally agree with you. Like, who is listening? You know, what shocks me, and we've went through this now progressively as this number has lowered, that, you know, now he's down to a 29% approval rating. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe for a second that one out of three people genuinely thinks that this guy's doing a good job at fucking anything but between what's extraordinary is Kamala Harris is no better. She, she just, it's nonsense. The shit that she says, it's like, is this a joke? Are they playing with us? Like, is this a way for the global elites to just swing their dick around and go, look what we did, (laughs) right? This is how bold we are. Look what we did. We put a fucking senile old man that can't string together a coherent sentence in a woman who is a massive hypocrite from her time, you know, as a prosecutor, right? And you look at when she makes a statement, it's it's a joke. It doesn't make any sense. There's no fucking point. So it's either they're doing this just to fucking embarrass her, like, oh, you wanted to be VP? You wanted to be our puppet in that spot? Here's what we're going to do, right? Or they just don't give a fuck. She's like, I'll just do it myself. I got this. But the woman makes no I would point. expect the teleprompter I mean, to become sentient while she speaks and just goes, is this bitch serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for real? <laughs> like, come on, lady. I'm trying to help. Like, that's how bad it is. But you look at, I mean, it, we are a fucking global laughing stock when it comes to when either of these two knuckleheads opens their mouth. It's unreal. It's unfucking real. It says, um, it says the White House is wrong because a slowed down version of Biden's remarks makes clear that Biden did not say, let me at any time during the moment and said, repeat the line rather than repeat that line. 
So this is 1984 territory. Like, what did he actually say? And then, like, if you ask people that are going to be maybe that one out of three, like you mentioned there, John Henry, like, what do they actually know if it's real at all? And and they would just repeat this without actually knowing, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they just say that, yeah, fact check, repeat that line is what he said. So here's how broken our world is. So if you just put in Kamala quotes, let me tell you the first couple of things that come up. 20 Kamala Harris quotes on leadership voting and more. Top 28 quotes of Kamala Harris, famous quotes and sayings. Uh, 15 Kamala Harris quotes that will inspire you to take charge. 14 kick-ass Kamala Harris quotes. Uh, 11 of Kamala Harris's best quotes on leadership and racism. Madam Vice President is speaking. 107 inspiring Kamala Harris. 107. <laughs> oh, no. This is insane. This now, is that's crazy, a gauntlet. But you know That's a real gauntlet. We oh should set God. that as a like goal. It, like, uh, if we torture. hit a certain amount of subscribers. <laughs> it's like they hand you a razor blade and go, make it through these. Like, what do you think the percentage of people that just cut their own fucking throat? What, what would the subscriber count have no to be more. for you to read off all 107? <laughs> like, I mean, I'll do it. Folks, let us know. Yeah, how many subscribers? If you want me to go through some of Kamala's um, riveting fucking quotes, I'd be happy to do that for everybody. We can make that one of my, my little side specials I'll throw in there for you. I won't even torture number six with it. I'll do it just for you guys. We would have to get some sort of like rain sponsorship or something to get through 107. Like you would like, uh, like anything that calms the nerves out there, you know, like supplement companies anything. yeah, I'm yeah. good with that. We can do some rain. We can do some Jocko yes. fuel, Jocko. Yes. Um, now the, uh, again, the Biden slowed down. That's going to be great. Uh, uh, Simmons' uh, response apparently had the support of her superiors in the White House, too. Her post was liked by many colleagues, including Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates, Deputy Communications Director Kate Berner, Regional Communications Director Harris Talwer, and Assistant Press Secretary Alexandra Lamana. Billionaire scientist... Elon Musk also appears to have heard Biden correctly and joked that whoever controls Biden's teleprompter is the real president. Man. Hey, what do you think of Elon's pull? Well, that's the thing too. Like um, I had that originally bookmarked. Not that he is used oh, yeah, to that. Because I, mean, <laughs> I mean, did you hear that? Apparently he just had more twins with an exec from, <laughs> from Tesla. He's up to nine kids. So Elon doesn't like to pull out, no. so it's shocking that he did. I mean, that's instance. the thing. Like he, Fox. he is pro think, sperm, sir? but uh, I think and I talked about it a little bit uh, last show too, and I've just really been thinking about it lately. Where just I, I don't believe that the sale is going to go through. I've been, I've been kind of saying that, and like the the thing about where he's at now with it is that he can basically hold Twitter over a barrel because Twitter knows that they're fucking lying. That they know that yeah. they're full of shit, and the the longer that he like pulls their pants down in front of the public, right, the more people are actually going to turn around and notice, and that stock just keeps on falling with it. Like he undermined their entire credibility as a platform with with calling them out on their bullshit. So let me ask you this though: clearly, the guy's brilliant. 
Do you think he knew that the whole time? And the whole point was just to expose that? Well, that's a possibility. The other thing is uh, he could have been in on it. Because if you think about the giant bump that everybody got engagement on Twitter, like whenever the Elon Musk uh, transfer first went through, yeah, that's true. everybody was just like, yes, mm-hmm. like all of our friends, John Henry, like people in our circles too were like, yes, Elon mm-hmm. Musk, please solve this problem. Please help us out. Please do this and that. Um, yeah, that never came about and people didn't even really understand or know that the real changes wouldn't even have come about until probably long after October when, when the transfer was supposed to take place. But because he was calling Mm -hmm. them out on their bullshit when with all of their bot accounts and fake bullshit, um, that, you know, that could have been a brilliant move. Yes. To drive the stock price down even more so, um, and make them look like shit, or it could have been a brilliant fucking move to make us all believe in this bullshit platform that is Twitter and all run back to it and, and still focus most of our communication and most of our political discourse and our, our, our dissidency um, on putting it into that platform. And I, I myself have been swept up in a little bit of it too. I use Twitter uh, for the show and I get shit engagement and we're shadow banned all hell, but um, I, you know, cause I think we, mm-hmm. we, we speak critically on a lot of people. So we're probably on everyone's list, but um you know, for that though, like if it is if it is something that he's in on, and this was a way to uh, sort of control us going into the quote unquote red wave. Think about all the communications that sort of uh, have to be s- sort of uh, filtered for Twitter too. Like when you get people more into the idea of using Twitter as a platform for their communications, for their business, or anything else. And you get them to put their rather uh, personal or business infrastructure into Twitter again. Um, everything that that could have swayed, like just the, what you see, uh, how how you focus on different topics, the topics that we're talking about here, John Henry. These are all influenced by Twitter, and getting people to sort of notice Twitter again, getting them to believe that it can be used for good, and that Elon Musk could fix it again, was in itself enough of a move that that cost us a couple months of focus where we could be we could have been building another platform up we could have been building gab up yeah hold on let me throw you uh-huh. a curveball let's you ready get for this what if after the dust is settled that elon comes out as a full supporter of truth social because you think about the little spat with him and trump and trump just called him a bullshit mm-hmm. artist Right. And said Elon was never going to buy Twitter. He's a bullshitter. He said that, you know, for the first time he's voting for a Republican, but he told me he voted for me. So what if that's the fucking the, you know, WWE wrestling Uh promo? What if they throw this out there and at the end you go, holy shit, they're working together. So, I mean, it does put Truth Social now in in quite a position. It could be fucking Because like I was saying, a lot of people that held out hope for Twitter as to be like something that maybe it was years Mm -hmm. ago when people can go on there and freely speak their mind and actually have some sort of discourse or debate with one another. I mean, not that that was always the case, but in certain situations nowadays, you can't even say certain shit because rather nobody will see it or they'll kick you the fuck off the platform like Jordan Peterson. Like, and, and by the way, yeah. Jordan Peterson, not really getting over with the bitch you crowd. <laughs> they don't really like him there. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. 
even people that support Jordan Peterson have been kicked yes. off of Twitter now. I mean, you can't even support certain like, people. You, you can't wild. even say certain things. Like Dave Rubin, I, I believe, was uh, suspended or something as well. Yeah, yeah, that's who got suspended for supporting yeah. uh, Peterson. I, I'll just kind of say, guys, my hope is that at the end we find out that Trump is working with Elon, and Elon says, "I'm switching over to Truth Social. That's the only platform that's a true free platform." Fuck, I would love that. I'd be so well, excited. And uh, let's move on to uh, Ninja COVID. This is. <laughs> and it's even like yeah. Yahoo Movies is the <laughs> it's the uh, it's so I mean weird. why is Yahoo Movies breaking this story? But it's uh, I think from so maybe when from I the first Daily read Beast. the story, I thought mm. I, I genuinely thought that this was just like there somebody's making a movie about ninja COVID. That's what I thought. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this just like this is like our first COVID I, movie? Like real deal. I mean, there needs to be. Uh, there, there, there needs to be a good documentary on on how all this shit happened. Um, uh, who knows who's going to be able to really pull that off out there? But uh, this is from David Axe. Uh, it says the latest subvariant of the novel coronavirus to become dominant in Europe, the United States, and other places is also, in many ways, the worst so far. The BA5 subvariant of the basic Omicron variant appears to be more contagious than any previous form of the virus. Now, isn't that what we've been told that things are you know, just going to become more and more contagious but less deadly? That's been the theory proposed here. Um, but it's apparently better at dodging our antibodies, too, meaning it might be more likely to cause breakthrough and repeat infections. Now, what sort of antibodies there? Could they have been the ones that were injected into people or the natural ones? It doesn't really say which ones. Now, vaccines and boosters are still the best offense. Sure, there are even Omicron-specific booster jabs in development. So you mean that the ones that people are getting now aren't the ones that are geared towards the thing that's out there now? Okay. In coming months, did you see that Canada said you're never fully vaccinated and you have to get a booster every nine months? Um, I think it is. Somebody Forever. else said, wasn't it one of the uh, health ministers somewhere in Australia or New Zealand too? Uh, I've seen the video several times and um, um, Ryan Christian from Last American Vagabonds played it on several occasions. It's the one lady that just looks like she's got like um, one of those, like, uh, how do I describe it? It's like a chimpanzee goatee going on. She's like blonde and she's definitely got the chimpanzee goatee going on with the face. Um, but uh, let's read on. It says still BA5's ongoing romp across half the planet is a strong reminder that the COVID pandemic isn't over. We're not done yet by any stretch. Eric Topol, founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in California, wrote on his substack, high levels of at least partial immunity from vaccines and past infection continue to prevent the worst outcomes, mass hospitalization and death. Oh, so past infection can actually, you know, remember when they didn't acknowledge that? And by the way, the immunity from the vaccines, how long does that last? Is it three weeks? Is it less? Who the fuck knows? They don't even check anymore. But globally, raw case numbers are surging with serious implications for potentially millions of people who face a growing risk of long-term illness. 
Equally worrying, the latest wave of infections is giving the coronavirus the time and space it needs to mutate into even more dangerous variants and subvariants. How do they know that? The development of variants now is a freight train. Erwin Redler, Redlener, the founding director of Columbia University's National Center for Disease Preparedness, told the Daily Beast, in other words, unstoppable. BA5 uh, first turned up in viral samples in South Africa in February. By May, it was dominant in Europe and Israel, displacing earlier forms of the basic Omicron variant while also driving an increase in global daily COVID cases from around uh, 477,000 a day in early June to 820,000 a day this week. In late June, BA5 became dominant in the United States. So it's here, folks. Hooray. Cases haven't increased yet. The daily average has hovered around 100,000 since May, but that can change in coming weeks as BA5 continues to outcompete less transmissible Subvariants. Wow. So another scare, another variant. When will it ever end? Um, let's talk about this. So scare as well. They from the WHO, Ghana reports two suspected case of Marburg virus. Hmm. The World Health Organization, most trustable motherfuckers on earth, aren't they? says Ghana has reported two possible cases of the Ebola-like Marburg virus disease, which, if confirmed, would mark the first ever such infections in the West African country. Where's all this shit being uh, being shipped from, you'd, you'd think? Uh, by Associated Press, it says here. Now, Geneva, the... Ooh, get out of here, video. Ah. The World Health Organization says Ghana has reported two possible cases of the Ebola-like Marburg virus disease, which is confirmed would mark the first ever such infections in the West African country. Again, how the fuck does it get there? The disease, a very infectious hemorrhagic fever in the same family as Ebola, is spread to people by fruit bats? Bats again, huh? And transmitted among people through direct contact with bodily fluids. You know, kind of like monkeypox? So are, are they combining all the experiments now? <laughs> and there's our Schumer test positive. Wait, where is monkeypox? I haven't heard much about monkeypox. I mean, box. you probably don't hang out at many of the gay bathhouses. <laughs> is that- well, I mean, many doesn't yes. mean none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, um, uh, but that's, I mean, the last article or video or anything I, I even watched about it. I just feel like it's like toned it. down a little well, bit. Well, yeah, because... Like we've lightened up on. Well, they can't. I don't think they can talk about it the same way anymore, John Henry, because in talking about Mm. it, it would sort of be an admission that living a life like, say, like the types of people that would, you know, frequent gay bathhouses like like Anthony Fauci or something Mm. like that. Like, uh, Mm. hey, hey, strictly strictly research, research, of course. (laughs) That's just like, you know, really what you don't know is um, Hunter Biden. Well, he frequents prostitution uh, and drug abuse for research, research purposes. purposes to make sure that people are safe from that type of stuff. <laughs> but uh, in their research, though, of this, they found that it, it, it pretty much only spreads. And I'm not going to say only is like the, it's only cases of people that are homosexual and engaging in homosexual activity mm-hmm. in mass, nonetheless, too. And and particularly at a uh, uh, things like pride parades that we just had all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
They cannot talk about the spread of it because basically, yeah, it, it's yeah, homophobic. it's homophobic to talk about it. Just like it was um, racist to talk about it coming from like COVID coming from Wuhan. You know, we dealt with that too. Yeah. I mean, so as long as they can attach some sort of stigma to it to prevent people from talking about it or learning the truth. Oh, it terrifies yes. people. Yes. Yeah. Um, it says the disease, a very infectious hemorrhagic fever in the same family as Ebola is spread to people by fruit bats and transmitted just like monkeypox through direct contact with bodily fluids of infected people and surfaces. <laughs> hey man, listen, uh, Hey, the monkeys didn't work, man. Let's go back to bats. These idiots already oh. believe that once. They'll believe and we also read from that Michael Ainscoff thing that they could gear this towards specific people too. So what if it is geared towards uh, homosexual people in particular? What if there is a gay gene and they found it? You know what this reminds that- me of? Cabin oh, yeah. in the Woods. So if you folks have never watched Cabin in the Woods, it's very violent. Yes, it's very it gruesome, right? If you're not into that, it, you know. But what they do in Cabin in the Woods is they pick which monsters they want to go and attack people in certain places, whether it's a type of ghost or a swamp monster or zombies or whatever. Right. So, so cabin in the woods reminds me of this. They're like, Hey, which one do we want to use oh, this time? And where should we release yeah. it? Yeah. It's like, which, uh, which of the Batman villains do we want to release from Arkham on this episode? Um, Marburg is potentially very harmful and deadly. It says case fatality rates and past outbreaks have ranged from 24% to 88%. No, that's that's a little bit more deadly than uh, the coof there, folks. Just slightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. who's- <laughs> By approximately 23.9% and 87.9%. Yes. Now, the WHO... Again, most trustable people on the planet says a preliminary analysis of samples taken from two patients from Ghana's southern Ashanti region, both of whom died, turned up positive. But they were forwarded for full confirmation to the Pasteur Institute in Dakar, Senegal, which works with the UN Health Agency. I mean, that's really Mm -hmm. smart. I would move those bodies around a whole bunch. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I think next they should send it to a lab in India and just carry it on like a fucking cart. You know? They were forwarded like an email. Yeah, maybe we can ship them over to China. <laughs> See if we can't swing by there. If they can figure it out. <laughs> they oh, don't buy goodness. their own products like that. <laughs> They're not stupid yeah. like us. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll uh, yeah. manufacture something slightly, then ship it over to China, then ship it back here for us to yeah, buy. Here's it. what happened. They go, oh, Marburg's straight into the crematorium. Yep. That's what should oh, have happened. Now it's, it says the two patients had been taken to a local hospital with symptoms, including diarrhea, fever, nausea, and vomiting who said in a statement preparations for a possible outbreak. It says in quotes, response are being set up swiftly as further investigations are underway. Who said adding that it is deploying experts. Oh, thanks. All those great experts it's helped us out a lot to support health authorities in Ghana, who said that if it continued uh, confirmed as Marburg, the cases would mark only the second time that the disease has been detected in West Africa after Guinea confirmed a single case detected in August. Hey, what better time yes. than now? It's got to be firsts. All these people with compromised immune systems from taking the shots. Why don't we go ahead and roll oh, yeah. it out now? 
And that that's another thing too. Does that twenty four to eighty eight does that does that number get bumped up a little bit if you've had your immune system destroyed by something, uh, or your DNA potentially altered? Okay, too. We don't talk about that. We don't yes. talk about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it says the outbreak in Guinea was declared over five weeks later. Previous Marburg outbreaks and individual cases have appeared in Angola, Congo, Kenya, South Africa, and Uganda. Who said? All right. Now, on the topic of these diseases here and what we've done to treat them, I wanted to point out this little shout out here from our buddy Gar Goldsmith in uh, his Liberty Conspiracy channel this week. Uh, this is a, a panel of uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough. We got uh, gold on there. Study shows mRNA jab does invade DNA. Oh, geez. You remember that conspiracy theory that we were all told that was, uh, you know, it was just insane that the mRNA and DNA, they're like these two different things. They interact with the body in completely different ways. Um, you can't possibly alter somebody's DNA with these uh, mRNA uh, vaccines, right? Well, that's not what this uh, upcoming study that they talk about, this little clip talks about. It actually says that, uh, yes. The DNA, uh, the mRNA shots um, can potentially and probably do um, alter your DNA. <laughs> Mind you, uh, Dr. Simone Gold is the one that was just sentenced to 14 days in oh, prison. Yeah. Oh, was it 14? I thought it was a little bit longer. I thought it was like 60. Was yeah. it 30? I was longer. Than, yeah. But um, maybe there's some time yeah. so there's there's that going on you know we're, we we can actually talk about you know just months later after it's been brought up that uh yeah yeah it can alter your dna folks but um then uh this i wanted to point out from our friend silas from silas speaks man um i don't know if you guys have been listening to the show the monologue stuff that i do um there was one that I did a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now. Jesus, time flies. But um, it, it was about pedophilia and how pedophiles should be hung. Um, that was inspired actually by this creep. Um, this Aeromod person is the person I ran into on one of the videos on, uh, I think it was BitChute. And um, he was talking about how I was a immoral person because I thought that pedophiles should be executed. And it, as it turns out, this person has, uh, like I mentioned in the monologue and everything, uh, Silas has done an incredible job researching um, everything that this person has been up to on BitChute, um, pretty much with um, uh, espousing the beliefs that um, oh, child uh, child pedophilia is a victimist crime, according to this type of person, and then also um, that he himself has these urges, and it's... Uh, it's a violation of his freedom of speech and his human rights if we prevent him from uh, exploring his uh, his proclivities, I guess you could say. Uh, it's just such a sickening fucking situation. And I'm glad that uh, Silas took action and put this together to kind of put this motherfucker on blast because yeah, I, I, I haven't really bumped into him that much because I've been staying out of a lot of the comment sections recently. But uh, before, when I was perusing those, a lot of my favorite channels, uh, I would see this guy pop up here. And uh, just so you guys know, too, um, uh, Silas did include a lot of information um, about not only this individual, but how to go about reporting uh, him to local authorities to potentially protect uh, 
children and God knows what else uh, from this guy. Uh, so uh, shout out to you for that, Silas. Like this, this it really isn't along his normal lines of material, but I think that Silas, like us, I mean, he sees like some type of evil like this happening and he feels compelled to do something about it. And I, I support our brother. In that. Hey, hey, pee pee touchers, pedos, Silas will fuck yes. you up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, he, he will put it's something a, together. In, in summation, <laughs> yeah. play games. Silas will fuck oh, yeah. you up and expose and your And he's going to, yeah, like. Because here's the thing. If somebody's that comfortable with saying it, it's only a matter of time before the opportunity arises that they do that. And you sure as hell don't want that to be one of your children. And as we've talked about time and time and time and time again, their whole entire goal behind the trans LGBTQ push, all this bullshit is to normalize pedophilia as a sexual orientation. That's why they have all of these fucking pedophiles in drag with their dick hanging out, talking to your kids in schools. And all the dumb, dumb parents, oh, I just want to be supportive of that community. So it's okay if my, you know, five-year-old daughter sees a transvestite's penis hanging out of his fucking skirt. Fuck you. Good for you, Silas. Yeah, Great job. We just have to stop destroying the family, man. We have to stop destroying the family. And then right. lastly, I wanted to point this one out too. This is from our friend Vince Ignali, uh Jr. Uh, this is the musket of the 21st century. Great substack. Um, this one I like because it's, it's actually something he pulled back from 2013. Um, and just to read off briefly, it says the last remaining battle for our enemies to win before they repeat a 1917 style Russian revolution is to take our firearms. A semi-automatic rifle is the musket of our time and is the last obstacle for our enemies for a bums rush over our homes, families, and lives. The founding citizenry of our nation would express approval of the parallel between the musket of their day and an AR-15 of today. They would place the semi-automatic rifles in complete compliance with the U.S. Second Amendment and all of the state constitutions and our God-given rights within them. If the founders could lay their judgment upon us today, they would raise some questions as to why fully automatic weapons are not allowed in the hands of citizens. Since the no standing military, the standing variety was never supposed to exist, possesses these weapons, which creates an instant and arguable disadvantage to us all. Our nation has to compensate the best it can to try to stay at least equal to that power by exercising our rights in great numbers. I just wanted to read that little part because I love that point that what he's getting at is, is that we are so horribly outmatched and outgunned and we're we're placed in that position by our government the people we were supposed to be given that right you know <laughs> the, the people that we were supposed to be given the right to bear arms to defend ourselves against in the first fucking place so if we've given them that power to so greatly outgun us um, and, and put us at such a technological disadvantage. And I, I uh, made a comment here, and I've I made it relevant to uh, sort of the way that the global corporatist oligarchy uses technology, as we were just talking about, like if the internet goes out, John Henry, like if you, you can't get 
things from the big box stores in the future, especially if they don't want you to because they can shut down your digital currency or your bank account or something else. They don't have to shut down the internet for everybody. But with such technological um, superiority, like if you don't have the means to procure goods and services and water and food and those types of things anymore, um, you know, it, it's, the, it's very similar to a military to a government, to any type of authoritarian um, entity like this, uh, to have that technological advancement over you in the term in the terms of being able to deliver violence, like it's just it's so scary that we give um, this lying um, entity that has no um, it, ha- it it has no connection to us anymore. It just. It's it's completely beholden to these international bodies like the World Economic Forum and, and their their goals of uh, achieving these these equity uh, diversity the, you know the die principles by 2030 and everything um, that's all it really has. So John Henry, like when it comes down to it, like I, I know that um, you you speak passionately about these issues. What do you think of the technological differences uh, between what? our military and our government possesses versus what the average uh, American citizen can possess and hold. It's scale. That's all it is. It's just scale. Cause I'll read the next uh, the paragraph in the article, the argument being made by anti-American politicians, pundits and citizens is to not allowing the rest of us to justify our right to be able to own semi-automatic rifles and sidearms, which can hold large capacity magazines without any impingement is compartmentalizing the debate with tactic 13 from rules for radicals. The plain and simple fact is we are supposed to be able to abolish any tyrannical government, be it from outside or inside our borders. In 1776, the musket was equal to the guns of the King's army. And without them, we would not be here today. Yeah. All scale. It's exactly what it is. Spot on. I absolutely yeah. agree. With I, this. I think of the poor folks in Poland that when they were invaded by the Nazis too, you know, they were on horseback and they had like fucking muskets and the Germans had what they had. I mean, the technology, you know, the superiority of just showing up, like if, if some aliens, you know, showed up here <laughs> all of a sudden and all we had was what we know of as far as weaponry. And they had some crazy sci-fi shit that you've seen in the movies. Like well, we would be dominated. Just look at the revolutionary. Yes. War. Do you know the difference that was made in the Revolutionary War when hunters from out west simply added rifling to their muskets? Oh. What that did to their range and their accuracy, it dominated yeah. a regular musket. So again, when you look at it, it's all scale. Yeah. So obviously they had cannons and all this shit. Well, now, well, the government has a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of stuff that we aren't even aware of at this point. So at the very least, you know, I'm just in total agreement yeah. with that. You know, again, not that we would ever promote violence in any way, yeah. shape or form, but it just, you know, and, and, and I'll say my last piece to wrap it up and I'll give okay. it back to you. But folks, one, a plan, a strategy, a means for protection, cash, precious metals, food, water, the ability to filter water, right? Lastly, how about an alternative form, um, you know, of transportation? If you don't own a bicycle, you're fucking up. You should own a bicycle. Because as we go back to the things that we talked about throughout today's episode, if you need to get somewhere and you don't have a bicycle, you're walking, homie. That's what you're doing. And that might be a long fucking distance. 
So guys, having a plan is so incredibly important, right? Now we hope and pray that we don't ever need to utilize those things. But I'll tell you this, that is a lot less hoping and praying than you would have to exercise if you were in need of those things and you don't have them. I'll tell you that right now. So it's it's so incredibly important, it's so integral that you guys take the appropriate steps for that. Go get yourself a really nice set of walkie-talkies, man. You can spend a hundred bucks and get walkie-talkies that are good for 12 miles. That stuff is so major when you look at that. And you look at what's happening in Sri Lanka, you look at what just happened in Canada. Folks, now is more important than ever. If you've been putting these things off, preparation is so critical right now. Have your bases covered. Have a strategy. Have a plan with your family. If you have kids that are off to college or live in a different city, have this conversation with them. You have to do it, guys. It is so utterly important. So to wrap it up, thank you guys again for coming back. Thank you for all the support. It's great to be back on the episode. Sorry I missed last week. Um, guys, be prepared. Be prepared. And lastly, self-defense. Can't say it enough. Because if you do have food, you do have water, and other people don't, they're going to take yours if you don't have the ability to defend yourself, whether it's through having weapons to defend yourself or go take jujitsu. Look, it's going to whip your ass. It is hard, but you know what? It's a lot harder being helpless if you're ever in a situation um, that gets to that point. So appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Thanks for coming back to the show. Bye. Oh, and that was an awesome point too, that you just don't want to be helpless. And I think of so many situations, just the people I know in my life, where if something happened where we all had to, like, say, meet up at a certain point, or we had to move certain, uh, you know, like water and food and or any type of rations, like if you had to move that stuff, like, say, multiple miles, like, are you in the type of shape right now where you can, you know, put something on your back? and haul it for a couple miles. Like, are you, uh, that's the thing too. Like if you're figuring out a plan, it's figuring out how to move strategically with the things that you need to sustain life. If you need to move with it. So, and water is pretty fucking heavy. <laughs> it, it's going to be a bitch and a half to just carry enough water that you're going to need, especially for a family of people. So figuring out ways that um, you can like with John Henry mentioning, like if you don't have a bicycle, well, Maybe also think about attaching something to that bicycle that can help you haul some things because like your ability to move, especially if there's no gas or if like if vehicles don't even work, you know, say in the future when they can just shut down electronic vehicles, um, you're going to need to fashion something that's going to be able to move some things for some people. And that in itself is very invaluable. But um, uh, speaking of invaluable, um, I've noticed lately that we've had a lot of new subscribers uh, we've had a lot of interactions with people. Uh, I've seen a lot of you know supporting comments and things of that nature. People sharing links with us. Um, people joining this, the discussion and people uh, contributing to the show. I appreciate all of that stuff. Um, so thank you very much again for all of that. Um, our numbers on BitChute are up. Our numbers on Rumble are up. A little bit on uh, Odyssey too, I believe, and even uh, Brighteon. Uh, so yeah, just don't forget to subscribe. If you like the show, share this stuff with all your liberty minded friends and everything. And until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics 
on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash number 6 slash support. There, you can make a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.